This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ and Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're going down to the bayou, having ourselves some southern cooking, and being imprisoned on trumped-up charges as we watch Spine 166 in the Criterion Collection, mm. Jim Jarmusch's Down by Law from 1986. But first, mm. RJ, mm. are you fine today? Sounds like a loaded question. What do you mean? That's it's whatever you want. What, it you, to what mean. are you getting? What, what are you getting what, at? Whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> See, this is why I don't like you, <laughs> and I've never liked you. To be fair, but uh, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll play your game. I'm fine. Good. I guess. Like great. I don't know. How are you doing? I feel like uh, I don't care, so I never ask. But RJ, I'll, I'll I'll ask you this week. RJ, why? I'm fine. You're fine. What does that mean? I'm fine. I'm swell. I'm. Doing You're what? I'm swell. I'm doing great. Dandy. Oh, I thought you said swill. I was gonna be like, whoa. It's not swole. Oh, dandy. In that uh, S. Craig Zoller book I'm reading right now, he uh, the the fine gentleman is called the dandy. Of course it is. Of course it is. They say, where's the dandy? Yeah. Oh. I kind of like it's got good stuff. I think it would make a better movie, but I I do find when I read it, I sometimes my eyes get a little heavy, and I'm like, people can't see what I'm doing, but whatever. You're nodding. No off. one's no one's listening to this, anyways, right? Are you gonna be watching the Deadwood before uh, that movie drops, RJ? No, I told you I haven't, oh. and I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm too busy uh, seeing people complain about Game of Thrones online. Oh my god. See, it's I, I getting I, pretty heated. I, I haven't watched an episode yet, and uh, I'm missing out on what people are complaining about. But I, I've like got the gist, you know. I, I, you, I, I've, I kind of know what what's going to happen, but I don't care. And uh, yeah. it's it's amazing watching people get mad. And I'm seeing think pieces about mm-hmm. about you know Jon Snow and ghosts and things. And I'm just hey, like, you know what? Watching that was frustrating, though, because I was annoyed by that. Because they've completely mishandled Ghost the whole season, Jarrett. The whole series, Well, because arguably. you didn't see him for, like, two seasons. And yep. then in this season, he just shows up. And there's, like, there's no mention of it at all. They're like, oh, Ghost is back? Oh, <laughs> okay. And then in this one, there's, like, this heartfelt goodbye. And Jon Snow's just like, see you later, Ghost. And then just walks away. And, like... It was it was frustrating because you're like, why don't you go fucking say hi to him, you piece of shit? Like the people, the producers are like, oh, it's too expensive to CGI. And it's like, no, just get like a shake pillow and then film it real close. Like, like, I don't know. What's wrong with that? That's uh, that's why they should put you Filmmaking? in charge. They should put me in charge. Mm. Yeah, that was annoying. And the dragons are annoying again and uh you're on Greyjoy and his magic navy are annoying again oh where they appear where we're needed just they... appear wherever oh no don't nowhere. tell me anymore don't tell me anymore and you're just like what the fuck oh, it was like how did they get there yeah. hey by the way so there's been some comments on the letterbox this week about uh my general appearance and upkeep <laughs> and whether or not i am a, a large fat man uh and i don't know if you might have to google this but Andrea says she thinks I look like the guy who plays Euron Greyjoy. Mm. It's kind of like, so you know Joshua Jackson? Yeah. It's kind of like a less good-looking Joshua Jackson, I would say. Because Andrea said that before, but she has to because she's she's signed up for life. So yeah. she has to say I look like a Well, she's indentured people. now, so. Yeah, exactly. But uh, she says she thinks I look like that Euron Greyjoy guy. So if anyone can... 
if you want to replace the image of the fat man, I guess go with that. <laughs> or if you if you like thinking that I'm a huge fat guy, then I guess you can think of or, a huge fat or, guy. Or RJ, you can come, go onto Patreon, pony up that fifty large, mm-hmm. and come mm-hmm. on our show and see the horror that I gaze upon on a weekly basis. Oh, you're telling fans of the show yeah. how they can get a look at me. Well, yeah, I think in if if people wanted, like if they had a not just the fifty dollars to guest on the show, but if they wanted to pay like, I don't know, several hundred, I'll send you pictures of myself. Dick pics? No. Not necessarily. What's the going rate right on a dick pic these days? I think you just have to be alive and you'll get one. Oh. Shit, I guess I gotta get a phone. You have you have the internet. That's I, all you need. I have devices, but I don't have a I, I, a phone. So, mm. well, you're yeah. fine. I'm missing out. Yeah, it's too bad. Hey, RJ. What? We got emails. Some good ones, or we're gonna find out with our ears. Oh, okay. oh. First up, Oliver Gross. Granger. Oh, he's back. He's back, and he writes subject line: "My favorite movie trope." Hi, creeps. If I had patience, I would wait for a movie in the collection to do this, but I don't. My favorite trope in older movies is when someone is on the phone and gets cut off. So then the person would rapidly press the hook as fast as possible while saying, hello, hello, hello. Hello. Apparently this is to signal the operator to connect the line again. But has this ever worked in a movie ever? What is the next movie in the collection that it will happen? Don't have to answer that. Monterey Pop Festival, probably. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of that. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to rewatch Down by Law, so maybe it happens in that. It doesn't. But it doesn't. if I had to put money down, I would say The Life and Death of uh, Colonel Blimp. Phones would definitely mm. be disconnected during the war. Or Straw Dogs. The 70s is a great decade for this trope. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's, it's a little home invasion Straw Dogs, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's a little... There's a little it... Yeah. Click, 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 click. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello? What about uh, other movies? Other Jared? movies don't exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I, has has that ever worked? Maybe there's older fans of the show who can let us know. Well, I, I have seen it happen in real life. Did it work? Um, where someone like hung up the phone and then hit the yeah. on button again and it was on. Someone was on the other line. Yes. Yeah. I, it did work? It has, yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Mm-hmm. But not in such dramatic fashion where it's like the, where uh, the line is where it's actually cut and someone goes, hello, yeah. click, 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 hello, hello. That, yeah. Never in mid-call. It's more like trying to pick up a phone call. Hey, Jerry, you know what my most hated trope in movies is? Phones ringing. Yeah. I've mentioned this before. I fucking hate it because it's so much louder than everything, like all the other audio and sound in the movies. It sucks. Don't look at me like that. C- C- Capes has got one of those. A phone ringing? Yeah. Fuck, that movie sounds good. Yeah. We should get that on the podcast. <laughs> we should get that in the collection. Oh, maybe that'll be uh, Spine 1000. Yeah, uh, yeah see, I just, I, I, oh, sorry, I've already revealed it. <laughs> oh, well, you can edit that out of this, yeah. right? Yeah, I'll get right on that. Okay. Thanks for the email, Oliver. Yeah, thank you. Think, talking about those tropes. Mm-hmm. We got Jackson back again. Action Jackson. He's, Action Jackson. He's killing it lately. Yep. Black Hole and Lounge Lizards. Hey, Ooh. creeps. Going to keep it short this week. I just finished reading Black Hole by Charles Burns and enjoyed it quite a bit, though the ending kind of lulled and lacked that horrifying, trance-inducing atmosphere established in the beginning. What do you sure. guys think of Black Hole? 
Uh, also, given that we're reunited with the Master Fisher this week, have you guys ever listened to John Lurie's music? And if so, what did you think? Keep up the great work, Jackson. Mm-hmm. Well, Jackson, it has been over 10 years since I've read Charles Burns' Black Hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I really remember is kind of the uh, the beautiful artwork. Absolutely lush, gorgeous uh, blacks and whites that Charles Burns does. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the story too, too much. It's kind of like a coming-of-age thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's been so long. It was It's never like been my top 10 comic or anything like that but it's one of those mm-hmm. easy recommends for people rj have you read black hole yet i, don't I have you have yeah i own that book and uh, got sold to it by some real piece of shit at a comic book store yeah it sounds about right uh yeah i liked black hole i thought it was good uh it's been a long time for me too to be honest so i i don't really have anything like so i liked it when i read it mm-hmm. i remember that um i can't say much else otherwise <laughs> they're, they're, i like i thought you liked it more actually yeah i mean like i like it i mean i would yeah. put in my uh i think i actually like charles burns's um recent trilogy that's in color it's like it starts with a book called x'd out there's like three mm-hmm. in there it's kind of done in this um herge style like this uh, kind of like that belgian european clean art style and it's very uh surreal stuff um that i actually quite like i like quite a bit mm-hmm. but yeah, Charles Burns. It's mostly for me. It's it's more his art than his actual uh, story stuff. But I mean, I when you, but it's more like when you read about like the whole process of Charles Burns's drawing of Black Hole, where he will redraw a panel like twenty times, and mm-hmm. until he gets the right look, the right blacks and stuff like that, it's nuts. He's a uh, he's a unique case. Is he a nut bar? Mm, I wouldn't go that far. He's mm-hmm. um, patient, more patient than me. Uh, and yeah, as far as, uh, John Lurie's music with the lounge lizards, uh, mm-hmm. act, not for me <laughs> is what I will say. Um, Have you given it an honest try though, Jared? Mm, that the, means the, no. The only time okay. I've really listened to his music is usually when it shows up in Jarm, uh, Jim Jarmusch soundtracks, like the scores mm-hmm. that he's done. And yeah. I don't know that kind of like minimalist jazz sound experimental jazz are all words Mm -hmm. that are just like no thanks (laughs) for the most part yeah uh i haven't listened to it actually but i might now as a because this reminded me this movie that we watched today reminded me how much i like john Mm lurie and fishing with john so i was like yeah i'll give it a try i've listened to uh tom is it tom watts or tom waits tom waits (laughs) well i i know it's spelt waits but for some reason i was like is it tom watts oh my god Hey, shut up, Jared. I've I've heard his music, him and his claw hammer song. Do you know that claw hammer song, Jared? Mm, probably. He's like claw hammer. Just like that. Goes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I'll check out these uh, lounge lizards. Yep. That's cool. It's a fun name. What? I've seen his art. Yeah. I've seen his art paintings. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, he's a real creative uh, force, RJ. A creative force? Is yeah. that what people say? Yeah. Yeah, he's active it. on the internet mm-hmm. if you want to get in contact with him. Man, there's no slowing him down. He's active on the internet too? He is active on the internet, Jared. He tweets. Wow. He sure does. Huge. Huge. Onward. Yep. Jackson. <laughs> Justin Peterson. Oh, he's here. Hey, fellas. Hope you're both having a great week. 
Church sounded a little down in the dumps last episode, so I will do my best to not ask any young man's questions. It's just Jared. I know. I I didn't realize uh, last week Chanel was gone uh, for Mm -hmm. for a few days, and I didn't realize realize I was coming down with a cold. Like apparently. Oh, you nerd! No, I, I had no idea because I wasn't talking to people, and uh, then I was like, "Oh," and I, I think I still kind of have it even now. I think what he's really saying is that his love for his life partner was so—it's so crippling to him to not be around her that he didn't even notice that it was affecting his his podcast. No, you know what I mean, Jeremy? Maybe it's fine. It's okay to it's be fine. like that. <laughs> fine. Whatever. Here we go. Okay, Jarrett. When did oh. your distaste for comic book movies begin? Are there oh, any that please. you do really like? Um, when so Maybe, I, uh, Batman v Superman, Jared's a big fan of. I liked that movie just okay. It was pretty, yeah. Oh, no, uh, hey, I like I liked Iron Man a lot. Mm-hmm. And then sure. uh, I really did not like the first Avengers movie. I remember uh, mm. I saw that with uh, the before mentioned Chanel. And Ooh, she could give like no fucks about mm-hmm. those things. And I, I was like watching it with her and like in the theater I was with, this was like also months after I'd been in theater and kind of had played through. So I was seeing mm-hmm. it with an audience that maybe just wasn't that engaged, but I remember being like, this like is a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. And that really uh, kind of began the march for me. And also working at a comic book store. Uh, it's a constant barrage of people coming. Hey, have you seen the new blank yet? Have you seen blank yet? <laughs> what do you mean you haven't seen blank yet? And it's like, that's all culture is for many people when it comes to movies. It's like, have you yeah. seen the, the movie you're all supposed to meant to see you now? And I go, no, I don't, I don't watch these movies. Like I have zero interest. Like there's so many like yeah. expressions of movie making that exist that these guys, like if I said, oh, hey, have you watched eight and a half? Fishing with John. Have you watched Fishing with John? Do you know what the Criterion Collection is? They go, no, like they'd have no fucking idea because it's mm-hmm. like, but they're like, I love movies, but they're like, they think there's something wrong with me because yeah. I don't watch the fucking same movies they do. It's like, I don't. Isn't there though? Apparently, I mean, yeah, I'm it's that so that this is all like part of this thing, mm-hmm. but I mean, I love the Dark Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. I like, I, I've only seen Iron Man once, but I remember being like, this is awesome. Uh, X2, I'm a fan of, oh, I'm afraid, the best. I'm afraid of rewatching that movie though. It's but, the best. It, <laughs> X2 is amazing, and you know what else is amazing, Jared? And I, I'm gonna speak for Jared here. Yep. Jared is a big fan of Blade 2, no, one of the finest <laughs> no. comic book movies that movie, ever made. Oh, god, no, god, no. X2 uh, and Blade 2 uh, coming at you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, that's kind of like comic book movies. Uh, I don't know. The, the Marvel style just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, it's like it's like those Fast and the Furious movies. I kind of put them in the same ballpark. Actually, no, that's not fair because those movies are like definitely are going for dumb and everyone goes into those movies expecting dumb. People are like making serious arguments about how Endgame is kind of like some sort of great revelation. And they're like, these things are like, can you imagine that the 22nd part of this story could be this good? And it's like, fuck off. It's like, it's not. I wonder like, what 20 seconds they're talking this, about. This was not the 22nd chapter in a book. Like it's, it, uh-huh. well, it's not like, it's like, it's a movie. And it's like um, it would be more comparable to like the the season finale of a show. And sure. it's like there's been good season finales before, um, but I don't know. People like are trying to hang their hats so much on this thing. They have so many goddamn like bad comparisons mm-hmm. they try to make because they like this movie. They they want to justify how much they like it. And it's like go go for it. Me like me not caring about this movie shouldn't matter to you out there, folks. But people are invested in what you think, Jared. No, they're not. They're really not. But I, no, I hope they that, don't. 
Um, but yeah, so that's basically where it turned Avengers. I never saw Age of Ultron. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, after that, I just like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm, the, I'm so unexcited by any of those movies. And when I do dip my toe into them, like a Doctor Strange, Black Panther, mm-hmm. I'm always like, why did I bother? But I had the same experience with, um, I think the last, maybe the second last Mission Impossible movie, which I just mm-hmm. like, I gave up after about 25, 30 minutes. And I had just gone through watching like, the previous four or five and yeah. I was fine with those, but I got to that one and I was just like, I don't like this type of filmmaking at all. Like these are just mm-hmm. boring movies. I already know what's going to happen. I never saw the last James Bond movie. Like it just, none of that stuff interests me. Yeah. Um, onward. On I, yeah. Yeah. I feel onward. like, uh, I feel like Spielberg should have a film, the current criterion lineup. Which one would you like mm. to see go in? Interesting. Hmm. Who Spielberg? Yeah, Hook. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Whatever. Jaws. Like, I think that's like. Uh, I think it would be like that'd be the easiest movie because it's self-contained. Um, I don't I, I don't see Duel going in though it could very well be a but it'd be strange like why Duel? Um, yeah, I'd say Hook? Jaws. Well, they're both aquatic. What about um, uh, Munich, the underrated gem Ooh, that no yeah. one talks about yeah, Munich, at all? Yeah, Munich uh, is, I think, Spielberg's last good movie. Last great movie. Yeah. I I would like Munich. Um, I think E.T. is obvious. And so is like I, any I, of the... I guess I never see it going in. I don't see... Uh, Wait, E.T.? Yeah, I never see it. Go- I w- it would never be one of those movies that would go. I think Munich actually has a possibility of happening. Yeah. And uh, Is, Sh- is Schindler's, Schindler's List too popular, do you think? Schindler's List could go in. I don't know if that... How good that movie actually is. I'd say Saving Private Ryan would go in before Schindler's List. Yeah. You know what? So I'm, I'm going to stick with my... Uh, my answer of Hook before. Okay. But uh, you know what would be a cool movie? Um, Minority Report. Just throw that in there. I like yeah. Minority Report. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. Do it. Do it. <laughs> with, throw RJ, it in there. with RJ often talking about dudes working out. Oh, no. I am curious to hear his thoughts on Michael Bay's Pain and Gain. I really enjoyed it, despite some people not liking it since it was based on true events. So I talked about Pain and Gain on the podcast. Yeah, Shit, I don't remember when, but I did a while ago. I liked it. I thought it was good. I I bet you it was around when we watched The the Rock. It was when we watched The Rock. Uh, Yeah, so whenever, whatever episode The Rock is, uh, because we tried to watch some other Bay movies. Uh, No, I liked Painting Game quite a bit. Um, I liked The Rock. I liked Mark Wahlberg. Anthony Mackie, he was fine too. He wasn't in it that much, but uh, I do like watching guys just work out. Like... (laughs) Go go to ghoul school and uh, I'll tell you all about it. Aerobicide, killer workout. Those are some of the finest movies around, right, Jarrett? Absolutely. Yeah, I like working out. I don't do it myself, but I, I like to watch other people do it. Yeah, um, I watched Pain and Gain the night I got my cat. And uh, Ooh. I, I thought Pain and Gain was one of the better Michael Bay movies I've seen. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's funny. It's uh, got abs. Like, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, he uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson plays a very good slow man. Mm-hmm. Tony Shaloub's great. Uh, I, I never had the uh, Tony Shaloub. Tony, 
Yeah, I know Tony. T- 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 big Tony. Uh, big Tony. Yeah, I never had the issues. Like a lot of people are talking about, like how like the actual uh, true events that it's based on are like really kind of like not well served by mm-hmm. Michael Bay's like comedy route, which is like yeah. I get, but at the same time, that's fine. I, I just watched it as its own thing, and it's like it doesn't matter too much. Yeah, it's like him I, doing a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, I, I remember people saying that too. Like it was making light of it, but who cares? Sometimes I think people pretend to care. What? <laughs> what, Jared? Uh, here's a good one. Have you guys developed any pet peeves toward each other as a result of this show? I hate this fucking guy. I it's they're not even pet <laughs> peeves. I've never liked this guy, and it's even worse now. <laughs> you take it. Uh, I don't know. You just you listen to our show and you you tell you tell us. Yeah, I think we don't want to open that box and like because once you air it out, it's out there. I'm sure there's things that. Uh, well, I know for Jared, it's probably my frequent and uh, my frequent and illustrious ways of just completely derailing him at every opportunity and uh, interrupting. I don't mean to do it. I just I have to sometimes. It, yeah, it was a fun. Uh, with uh, Oliver, because you, <laughs> you're sometimes RJ. You're like a freight train. Hey, I have opinions that I need to be heard, and you know what, Jared? I'm glad too because sometimes if I don't bust in, I'd never be heard. Okay. Man, these questions just keep coming. What oh, what movie have you seen the most, and why do you watch it so much? Ooh, fuck! You go first, Jared. I haven't really watched. A movie like one of those movies I've watched up the most. I haven't watched any of those for a while, but I just throw Dawn of the Dead. Mm. Um, that's a movie that I'm always ready to watch. I think nowadays, like most recently, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, yeah, it's t- it's total comfort food. I think I've most recently described it as like it's my Star Wars. I, yeah. I I love spending time and hanging out in that world. All like the full version of that, the extended cut that's like two and a half hours. I love it. Yeah, uh, I would say like kids movies for sure i couldn't tell you like i i i guarantee there's certain like kids movies like disney movies that i've probably watched like easily 50 times like at least but i i couldn't tell you what what any of them are like it just like disney and animated stuff and i don't know the page master i've probably seen like 30 times (laughs) that's a good show so strange i've never i yeah, that that was before my time. Because Jared, when you own the VHS and you're well, like after my a, time, <laughs> yeah, when you're like six years old and there's this awesome movie about books fighting or like We're Back, the dinosaurs movie. I watched that a lot too because it had John Goodman in it. You know what I mean? What are some of your go-to snacks and drinks when watching a Criterion that is making you sleepy? Ooh, <laughs> liquor, just liquor. No, uh, I don't know. It depends on the day. What about you, Jared? I know Jared's a big uh, diet falafel so- guy. Yeah, falafel. Uh, diet soda is usually there whether or not I'm engaged or not. Uh, and for snacks, mm, I like that uh, low-cal popcorn, whatever brand oh, that nerd. is, and uh, granola bars. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hit the other end of the spectrum. I go all out because I don't give a shit. I be drinking them beers, Jarrett. I'm eating potato chips and dip. Uh, we Andrea makes a lot of popcorn in this house. I don't always eat it, but uh, sometimes for the movie, I'll eat that popcorn. Um, muffins, cookies, cakes, candies, whatever. If it's there, I'll eat it. 
Ooh. How's that? How's that for an answer? Here's a relevant one. Oh. Do you prefer the Digibook Criterion cases or the plastic ones? And which Criterion will you definitely be picking up during the next sale? Let me tell you, just mm. I oh. have not bought a Criterion during a Criterion sale now for like two years. I want to say. You should also say though. Here's a classic RJ interruption. You also already owned a good chunk of these before, though. Yes, I have. I, so your your buying days are long behind you because you already yeah. bought like I don't know eight hundred of these fucking things. Yeah, I've got a few. I've got a few hundred of these bad boys, but I, I haven't like since doing this. Like I haven't been accumulating because, as we've talked about, since doing starting the show, there's like less impulse to like buy stuff that far ahead, knowing yep. that like it's going to be years before we watch them, and then when you know that they're part of the collection, you're like, ah, I'm going to watch them someday. And I'm not. Gonna, I, there's other things like to watch instead. So yeah, mm. I, I haven't like I'm not making any plans like I used to. Because uh, that was like kind of one of the uh, reasons we started this is because RJ and I were big Criterion fans and would be scoping out those sales and snapping things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like I guess like, I don't know, Blue Velvet, I probably would be wanting to buy just because uh, I'm a big David Lynch fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the, the Digibook versus plastic cases, uh, I mean, I don't really care. I like the plastic cases. I like the, what is it, the Amaray cases that they use that are like kind of bigger, thicker heavy stock clear plastic i like those but i'm fine with the digibooks they just get banged up more easily so you have to kind of be more careful with them but i'm careful with my stuff so that's not Mm. a big problem got any thoughts there rj we were just talking about physical media uh early this morning uh, off air oh you and me yeah about how amazing it is to like pay like a a certain amount of money when you pre-order something and then like less than a week later it's like five dollars cheaper it's so frustrating because like so last week i bought dragged across concrete and i actually don't buy movies that often but i for that one i was like i'll roll the dice on it for two reasons one because my main man mel with s craig zoller that was reason enough but two because we talked about on the show that that movie was like it wasn't available in canada and i didn't want to just torrent it i was like i'll buy it i want to buy it i'll pay to watch it it's just not here so when the physical one came out, I was like, all right, I'll buy it. And I bought it on Amazon and it was like, I think I originally paid $28 for it. And then they had their, like, they did give me the thing. It was like, the price went down. We'll reimburse you. And it was like, took $4 off or something. So I think after tax, it came out to 25 and then Jarrett strolls in from Walmart <laughs> and he bought his for like 1850 or something. And I was like, bucks. what the f- 20 bucks i was like well what the fuck i was like it's five dollars that i could have been spending at arby's with Jarrett, <laughs> and now i don't have it and then Jarrett showed me today that on amazon now the price for dragged across concrete is 20 bucks and i was like well what the fuck i was like that's not even a week difference so yeah, i found it extremely frustrating yep. uh i couldn't tell you what the last criterion i bought was it was probably over a year ago because as we've mentioned, this is a curse now for us, and we don't. I don't watch Criterion's outside of the podcast, which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, and uh, now with the channel, I don't know. I probably won't buy anything unless it's something yeah. I really fucking want. No, I. After oh, uh, after buying yeah. a house and like being like, oh, I, I'm on the hook for like a lot more things financially. Mm-hmm. That's like the first thing that I've really cut out is like just. 
accumulating movies because movies. holy shit, they're worthless. <laughs> like when you, go I would, to, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things. It's, it's fun and stuff like that. So you, if you're making movies, um, I like. I honestly like. Actually, I really like Vinegar Syndrome. Like I've talked about before. I like that they do yeah. slip cases. They do nice packaging. They're doing like off like really offbeat types of movies. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're like a lot lighter and funner to watch than the Criterion offerings. And now that you have the Criterion channel, it's like, why would like, it's pretty tough to justify unless you're just like that much of a fan for a movie. Like if they put a movie that like I love already, Mm -hmm. I'm all over it. But for blind buys, mm, pretty unlikely, especially, oh, the other thing that does not help is that the Canadian dollar, (laughs) this is, this is like only relevant to Canadian uh, listeners, Mm -hmm. but people don't realize how shitty our Canadian dollar is to the US dollar. So even like, uh, like a a full retail, like $40, you're looking at what to 52 bucks. So if, if it was $40 in American, it would be 5393 wow, yeah, Canadian. So, yeah. so that's $14 extra that we have to pay on top of it. On one movie before shipping. Uh, and Before shipping, yeah, yeah. And then like you save a few dollars pre-ordering. But uh, yeah, so when they're on sale, it's like, oh, okay, that's 20 US. But you, that's still like $27, I think, per movie. And that's what's mm-hmm. like, oh, three movies. That's like you're looking at a that's ninety bucks, and then shipping it's a hundred. So three movies for a hundred bucks. That's like not an incredible deal. It's it's, nope. not, it's a far cry from like 2012 when the when the dollar was par and you could just load up. Mm. Yeah, I did a lot of buying then yep. when the dollar was par, but uh, no those thanks. Are the, those are the good old days. Finally. Since I mm-hmm. rarely rate Criterion movies lower than two and a half stars, I was wondering if you could give me an honorary creep signature letterbox letterbox profile evaluation. What? A, sorry, what? <laughs> I think. What we, is he asking? Well, he's, so, RJ, you recall when yeah. we do "Who Hates This Movie"? Oh. <laughs> Okay, well, we got to find a movie that he hates first. Well, I do notice this is not a Criterion movie, but I see that he uh, gave Green Room a mere three stars. That's that's like a one star mm. for him. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty low. I'm pretty curious as to uh, what that's all about. Yeah, what's what the hell, dude? What the hell? Is there a uh, review to that, that or no? There is. Um, my, I think I, I kind of skimmed. I think a little bit of it. I think he had some issues with uh, the characters making bad decisions that he was that frustrated by. And I've often mm-hmm. like found that there's movies sometimes I'm totally fine with and other things drive uh, other people mm-hmm. nuts and they can't get past them. I've only seen green room once in theater with RJ and it was a mm-hmm. hell of a good time. Uh, but I've not rewatched that movie since. And it's one of those movies I'm like, I'll probably like it less when I rewatch it, but Tell them what happened when we went to the movie, tell them about how you invited me to the movie. And then I had to sit by myself in the corner of the theater Oh, come on. Tell them, Jared. Uh, okay. You, Tell them. Well, you, we'll just let that be the, the truth then. We'll just let that lie. RG's already told them. Um, yep. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> what's moving well, here? Sorry, what were what, you even talking well, about? Oh, let's see here. What, let's take a look here. What has he uh, got? Um, favorite films? Fargo, Pulp Fiction, Clockwork Orange, Fight Club, RJ. Oh, Fight Club. <laughs> For sure. Wait, is it a bad review or a good one? Oh, these are these are uh these are five-star movies, RJ. Oh, of his? Yeah. Uh five, well, I I'd have to go with Fight Club, but I think he already told us what his, his opinion is yeah. was that, right? He was in junior high and he thought it was awesome. Oh, I'm looking I'm looking for uh what what does he have? Does he have any garbage? Oh, his any one half-star movie is Oh, uh, Lars von Trier's The Idiots. 
Fascinating. Ooh. Is there a uh, review with that? Nope, no review. Just half star. Um, that's uh, oh, Scooby Doo. And Sky mm-hmm. High are one-star affairs. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. I, I think Sky High is a pretty decent show. Decent flick? Ooh. It's pretty well, fun. The one and a half star, RJ. The Relic. Mm, which Relic? The Relic. Is that... I don't know if I've seen The Relic, oh, it's like It's like a, mon- it's a monster in a museum type deal. It's got a, is it good? No. I saw that in theater. <laughs> I Feel Pretty. Oh, is that... The uh, famous Schumer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Critters mm-hmm. 4 and uh, Holy Motors. Holy Motors? Yeah, I'm surprised. Motors. I thought that was a good bad. show. That movie's not too bad. But I, I mean, I, do, I haven't seen it. But hey, I, thought that was but I, I am feeling this two stars for Mandy and Bird Box, even though I haven't seen Bird Box. But I feel yeah, like... Bird Box is a two star movie. But what about RJ, this Goosebumps 2? Two, two? Two, star, <laughs> two stars for Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> Looper, uh, oh come on! No, Looper's good. Looper's, Looper's good. good. Uh, I haven't seen Goosebumps two, but I think Goosebumps two would, would be a movie I like. Yeah. Deer Hunters in there. Five will goes west. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Isn't that good? Uh, Isn't Five will goes west a good show? I've never seen that one because I didn't like that first one, as I talked about last week. Jarrett. Okay, enough of this Jarrett. email. Thanks, Justin. Oh, <laughs> what do you know? What? What? Uh, two and a half. I think this is one of the lowest criterions I can find is with nail and I, mm. but also two and a half jewels and Jim. Now that is controversial. That is controversial. When we get to it in six years, there will be a, a debate on that one. There's some people that don't like that movie. I don't know. It's weird. It's wild. Thanks for taking the time to answer my questions on your show. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts on down by law. Keep mm. on creeping. I wouldn't. Next up, RJ. Yes. Corpse. Who? <sighs> Baby, is the world ready for a follow-up email from Corpse? Well, His, uh, that original email is lived in infamy. Yeah. It has been brought up many times. Subject, I want to be your slave driver. Oh, no. It begins, yo, what up, my ninjas? Ooh. Just a quickie this week. You know how sometimes you hear a song on the radio all the time and you think you know some of the lyrics, but you actually have them wrong? Like, for mm. example, there's an oldish song by Peter Gabriel that I thought was super racist that went, I want to be <laughs> your slave driver. I eventually was disappointed to learn that the title of the song was actually Sledgehammer and that Peter Gabriel isn't a racist at all. Well, that we know of. I guess he's disappointed by that. Uh, the reason that yeah. I bring this up is that I have come across a similar conundrum when listening to the Badass Creeps theme song. The oh. lyrics in question are as follows, and I encourage... Uh, Jarrett, uh, to sing them mm-hmm. instead of read them. With Jarrett and RJ, then men watch a coral sour and everything along the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that's go. not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, okay. I, I will say Jarrett sounds like uh, that goodbye horses from uh, <laughs> Creep Favorite, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. But okay, what, what do you have to say, Jarrett? Okay. Now, if those are the lyrics, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure I'm just having a hard R moment, uh, <laughs> an RJ moment, I assume. Uh, hopefully, yeah. you guys can clear this up for me so the next time I'm rolling the 18-wheeler down the highway, I can sing along in confidence, knowing that I'm getting it right. Thanks, fellas. Creep it real. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, Corpse. So to answer uh, your question, yes, the, you have the lyrics wrong. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it is uh, with Jared and RJ. Uh <laughs> 
From Renoir to Kurosawa? Yes. Yeah. As in Jean Renoir, uh, the first creep in the collection, Jean Renoir, Grand Illusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty fair. I actually do that quite a bit. Again, I couldn't tell you offhand, but uh, I also make up a lot of words. Yeah. You got one. Hit, uh, oh. hit. Oh me. yeah, yeah. So my uh, misheard lyrics. I got the the number one for me was uh, is the Matthew Wilder song. Okay. Uh, Ain't nothing gonna break up my spine, which is what I heard for a long, long time, and I thought it just sounded like that until I'm like, oh no, it's Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Oh okay. Yeah. Um. Well, that that just says more about you than anything else. Yeah. I, I think too many uh Batman Bane comics maybe. I don't know. Uh, the, there's another Possible. one. There's another one that I came across. Uh, uh, the Bee Gees song, uh, "Bald Headed Woman." Okay, I actually have one, Jared. Okay, you you wait. Okay, wait. Say, continue singing that. Um... Rather than more than a woman. Okay, you know what? The one I always got confused. I have more than this, but you know, Aerosmith's "Dude Looks Like a Lady." Yeah. I always thought he said, do me like a lady. And I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> because I was like, not that there's anything wrong with that, Jared. But I was just like, that's a weird like do way to put that. Do me like a lady. Do me like a lady. And I was always like, what the fuck is like, what's he talking about? What's going on, Aerosmith? And do me like a lady? I think there's more than that, Jared. But uh, that's the only one I can think of offhand, as I've mentioned many times. I'm not privy to these emails before, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, but I think it was, I think he was close enough on what he said. I listened to, uh, the little bit of this podcast I do listen to, I listen to like 1.3. So that theme song really flies by. I don't know what it's like in real time. <laughs> I don't know, Jerry. Like Sam Sanchez. Who, oh, who did not write in this week. Oh, oh no. Yeah. He listens to it really fast too. Yeah. Where we talked I faster. I thought he had an email too. Not, not get Canadian speed. Ah, I yeah. see, I see. Well, it's, uh, is that all for emails? No. Oh, well, it was nice to hear from all the people who have emailed in so far, yeah. Jared. Thanks, Corpse. Thanks for keeping mm-hmm. it, keeping it nice and Corpsey. pleasant. Oh, yeah, by the way, that hard R, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with his, um, <laughs> his restraint. As we learned last week when Jared let a hard R slip oh. on air. Wow. Uh, Mr. Yeah, that Mr. Was... Mr. Gaslight here. Jarrett let one slip out on air. He may have edited it in such a way that it made it sound like I was. But as I've always said, this is a mm. character I play yeah. for the podcast. So I would distance myself. But yeah, I'm, I'll am i say I'm I'm impressed with Corpse's restraint where Jarrett uh, couldn't be bothered. He didn't even attempt to mask that hard <laughs> R that dropped the other week. Finally, mm-hmm. we got Frank Solano. Ooh, there he is. The Criterion Creeps Challenge. <gasps> Hello, Creeps. So I was looking through some lists on Letterboxd and realized that I've not done a movie-watching challenge. Ever. Mm. So I set about looking for one that would interest me, but I didn't find anything that I'd like to waste multiple hours of my life on, so I decided, hey, why not ask the Creeps? Mm-hmm. If there were a Criterion Creeps Challenge, what would the challenge be and what films? In Butts a way, this is a sort of serious question, but feel free to trick me into watching some shit movies if you like. After I'm done clearing my watch list, I'll give it a go. And anyone else, other listeners, could join as well. 
Also, before I go, I wanted to ask if you guys have been contributors to Wikipedia. I've found myself editing a page for a film that required some care, and I'm proud of what I've done. So I was wondering if you guys have ever done the same, where you find a movie page that has Mm -hmm. little to no information, and you decided, you know what, this deserves better, and you fix it Mm -hmm. up all fancy for others to see. That's all I have. Hope you guys had and will have a good week. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Uh, I would say butts and dumps, uh, butts and dumps, butts and dumps for sure would be my challenge. I do believe that there is a uh, Jared Duncan Memorial Film Challenge uh, out there. This is true, and uh, I have completed this challenge. It was the one and only one that I did. Uh, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do it again because our the entire premise of this podcast is a. Uh, movie challenge so i would never do it again but yeah. uh, jared's jared's is on there but that was also that was a couple years ago when you were just kind of like didn't you make everything by like a random wikipedia generator whereas like it would take you to a random page and it'd be like sports and you're like all right well movie eight is sports yeah yeah that was the pretty well all it was and it, but it, yeah it, it shaked things up a little bit you know yeah it did so it, it, yeah jared's the, is the on idea there. is that you apply this list you you pull things from your own watch list and you just put it together from that and you just yeah. wind up forcing yourself to watch these movies that you wanted to watch that you might continue delaying watching. I have never done a film challenge, RJ, other than my uh, October 31 days of horror where I watch, you know, 90 movies in 30 days. So I think that's fine. And, and I think doing a, uh, a watching a criterion in order every single week is uh, a challenge in itself. That's what I mean. It's a challenge in itself. But, so. if, but if some in, uh, enterprising soul wants to put the work in to create a Criterion Creeps themed challenge, uh, I welcome you to do so. And we will do you, we'll do talk you mean, about it here. Um, yeah, I would have suggestions of things to be put in there. Well, you can you can make them right now if you want. Be, uh, if it's not butts and dumps, because that's already been that's done. Why do you always got to bust my flavor, man? Uh, Yeah, I'm into that too. Uh, In terms of Wikipedia, before you say, Mm. I've never done such a thing, ever. I've, uh, not for any movies in particular. I'm sure I've done some editing before just to fix some odd things up because that's what you're supposed to do. That's the whole point of Wikipedia is make it better. Mm -hmm. The one thing that annoys the shit out of me though, RJ... Yes. The, uh, some, some fucking idiots are like deciding, you know what, uh, on Wikipedia, we're running out of space, you know, mm-hmm. in the inf- infinitesimal space of the internet. We're running out. So uh, let's let's take off the uh, Criterion list of Laserdisc films. Let's take that off. There's no room. And then what? Not replace it with anything. It's just not there now. And they're like, we'll fold it into the master list, which is completely more difficult to search. It's incredible. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not on board with that. Yeah, there's, there's, some, really. there's some questionable things that happen on that Wikipedia because it's reigned by people on that spectrum, I think. Which spectrum are you talking about? The spectrum that, like like the Green Lantern spectrum, you know, the, the lanterns. Um, which, which spectrum are you talking about? Uh, the blue spectrum. Oh, okay. I thought you were maybe talking about that thing that you let drop the other week. Hmm. Hey, RJ. Yes. Think, thanks to everyone for the emails. We spent that, yes, was a long, that was a long, long time of emails. Holy I, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Holy shit. Do you need to go to the toilet or anything? I'm good. Okay, good. 
Hey, RJ. Yes? What you been creeping on this week? Fuck. <laughs> what have I been creeping on this well, week? Well, you made a poor choice, and you watched uh, one of the worst films I've ever seen. Uh, oh. You watched uh, the Jason Biggs uh, so I, I would say I would say watched. I would use that pretty loosely. You okay. had it. You had it on though. Okay. Yeah. So this is what happened. Andrea was watching Loser, the Jason Biggs movie from 2000. Why? Uh, why? Because it just got added to Netflix, and she oh. she was like, whatever. She was kind of like doing her own thing, and uh, I was just there in the background too. But I did notice a good bit of this. So this is from hit director Amy Heckerling, mm-hmm. who brought us Clueless, yep. Fast Times at Ridgemount High, mm-hmm. Book Who's Talking, Book Who's Talking 2, and European Vacation. So as far as I'm concerned, this lady was batting a hundred, or batting a thousand. I mean, sorry, batting a hundred. Real nerd. <laughs> That's horrible. It's like it's like when Jared's trying to talk about sports. Yeah, sports. So uh, this lady was batting a thousand. Uh, Loser is a movie I saw when it came out. Rent that shit on VHS. Watched it a couple times. This is a movie that's all about uh, the band Everclear. So Jason Biggs <laughs> wears a very unflattering wig the entire movie. Like it, they gave him straight hair, which is weird. I think they were trying to like make him look different or something. Less Semitic. Uh, oh, maybe. Uh, so he plays like a small town kid who's like got a heart of gold, but he's naive. Uh, so he's from like someplace in Ohio or something. And he moves to New York to go to school and he gets put in um, a dorm room with the McPoyles. Uh, one of them is actually a McPoyle, yeah. but the other two like basically look like McPoyles too. So he's in a dorm room with them and they're like party guys. And he, he's always trying his best to get like to study, but they're always like in his face and it's just not working out well. Uh, on the other side of town, what the fuck is her name? Mir Servini? Mina Servari. Yeah. Not Paul the, 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 the one from American Beauty? Yes. Yeah, so she's there. She is like also trying her best to be at university, but she's real poor. But she gets through because she's uh, banging Greg Kinnear. Or as Andrea mista- uh, mistook. Mistook? Yeah, mistook. Uh, she said Kevin Greer. She's like, you know Kevin Greer? I was like, yeah, I know Kevin Greer. She's like, he's the professor in this. I was like, what? And then I saw Greg Kinnear come up. I was like, Greg Kinnear? I was like, that's not Kevin Greer. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because I thought she meant like, what's that one? You know who I'm talking about. doesn't matter. So anyways, uh, she's, she's having sex with the professor. Uh, and then like their paths cross because of, you guessed it, Everclear. They're big fans of Everclear, which is a not bad band, I got to say, Jerry. No. So uh, they're doing that. Uh, Jason Biggs gets kicked out of his dorm room because his uh, his roommates are sick of him not partying ever. So they kick him out. And then he goes and he stays. He hooks up with an animal shelter and he works out a deal with them where he'll take care of the animals at night if he can, like, sleep on the bed in the back room, which is bizarre. <laughs> right, Jarrett? Yeah bizarre uh but also so he goes there and then the guys like catch wind that he has his own place so then they start to go to the animal shelter to party and Jarrett, i don't know if you know this 
But I'm not a fan of a fragrant disregard for animal well-being. And boy, do we have some here in this movie. Uh, the guys it was throw a good up- week for it, I think. Oh, oh, fuck. I have some I got some bad ones this week. So they like they don't do anything crazy. They just throw a party in the animal shelter. But it's like real sick animals. Like I know the animals weren't real sick. But could you imagine? It was like a dog who just had a surgery all day and then like woke up to these fucking To be in a Jason people. Biggs movie. Yeah. And it's like like the party is like they just let all the animals out. So it's like all these like shitty teen or like early 20s uh, drinking and like pouring beers on like dogs. And it's just like, fuck that. Uh, so even in 2000, I think I would have been like, that's not cool. Uh, on top of that, Jared, you have like one of the weirdest. This movie has the weirdest messages because the cool kids, the McPoyles, they're all de- dressing like they're from the Animatrix. Like they have these purple fuzz coats with these like little sunglasses. And it's like, what the fuck is their like aesthetic? Like it looks like the anime version of the Matrix. It's bizarre. The Animatrix? Yeah, the Animatrix. Uh, so it looks like that. Uh, but their big thing is um, they uh, they date rape lady uh, like girls. Mm. And it is a plot point in this. Cool. So they uh, they're always <laughs> talking about hitting bitches with rope uh, like for Rohypnol. Uh, but it is a it's a major thing in this movie where like every party they have, they talk about how they hit another bitch with some rope and uh, like. They get annoyed when they drug one girl, but then they get brought to something else. They're like, ah, that girl's just about to pass out. I really want to be around for that. So they like date rape Mina Servara and then she ends up staying at the animal shelter. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's just weird that like the, the major beat in this movie is about like date raping girls. And it's kind of like like it's not played off as cool, but it is the cool kids doing it. So is it it's like, does that make that good like no, what well, is i think rj the message would be like hey it's you, not good the, to the be... people you think are cool there might actually be not cool because they're raping people okay isn't that yeah it really makes you think it really makes you think uh one of the cool kids is reading a psych book and that uh, he laughs uh and quote unquote jared this is what he says hey take a look at this retard and then he looks at another guy and he said you ever heard of autism <laughs> Uh, so for 2000, I thought that was pretty edgy. Uh, there's also like this weird thing at the end about like how she wants to like sell her eggs. Uh, but it's like, they like, they kind of like shame her for it where like Jason Biggs is like, you can't do that. It's like, you can't sell your eggs. And then at the end, it's like, they made an agreement. She wouldn't sell her eggs. They're all for him. And it's like, ugh. this no, this movie sucks so bad. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Oh, and uh, twenty years, nineteen years later, Jarrett, I I can't imagine it's this was it's, like it's definitely not better. Well, because this was like a follow up to like American Pie, <laughs> like for, for him. I think so. Like I don't know if it was like soon after, but this was like, hey, you like you, you like that Jason Pig pigs Jason Biggs, right? He fucks that pie, Jason right? Biggs? He stuck his dick in that pie. Well, we got a movie for you. Well, all I all I can ever think about Jarrett is um. I'm just pouring this soda into uh, my cup. We we sure can all hear it. What do you mean you can hear it? Absolutely. Well, here, let me go a little softer, Jared. Wow. It sounds like you're in the bathroom now. I am kind of. Bathroom of my life. So 
the only thing I can think about is, uh, you know that hit movie, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Yep. All I can ever think about is the scene in that movie when Jason Biggs is playing Silent Bob. And uh, Jay Muse is like, oh, you fucked that pie, dude. And uh, Jason Biggs is like, you know, it always comes down to the pie. He's like, no one's ever like, man, you were really good in Loser. <laughs> and I uh, get it, Jared. So anyways, Loser's pretty horrible. It's got a weird message. Nope. You want to hear about what do you want to hear about? Tell me uh, about this giant mechanical man. Yeah, this is an Andy pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a rom-com. It is like a romantic something uh, directed by a romantic quirky flick. This guy named Lee Kirk, whose only other movie is called Ordinary World, which stars Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day fame. Uh, this is on Amazon Prime. It has like a one star. The the Green Day movie. Um, the Giant Mechanical Man is a movie Andrea watched like a couple years ago, and she's never been able to remember what it was uh-huh. until uh, she's like, well, it's uh, Chris Messina, Dr. Dan from New Girl. Like, we could have looked it up easily. We're just lazy. Um, she's like, he plays like uh, one of those street performers. And she's like, it was on Netflix, but it's not anymore. And then this popped up on Prime on the weekend. She's like, let's check that out. And I was like, all right. So... <sighs> You do you know Chris Messina? He's gonna be uh, Zaz in the uh, new Birds of Prey movie. Nope. Do you know Zaz though? Yep. Yeah, he's gonna be Zaz. So it's him and then uh, Pam from The Office, Jenna Fisher, Topher Grace is in this too. Uh, I like Topher Grace. I think he seems like a nice guy. You know, uh, this movie also has two of my absolute most hated actors. Remember how we started that list a while ago about our yep. most hated. So I don't know if I mentioned, but Malin, uh, Malin Ackerman is definitely on that list. Uh, Silk Spectre 2 from Watchmen. Uh, and then this guy, I didn't know his name, but this has got to be one of my most hated fucking actors in the world. His name is Rich Summer. He's from Mad. He's the fat guy from Mad Men. I fucking hate this guy so, so much. Have you found him yet? I'm look. I'm start. I'm firing it up. He's in like Wet Hot American Summer. He's in uh, that movie I watched. Hello, my name is Doris. But he he's in Mad Men. Uh, and I, Harry Crane, they say his name is. I fucking hate this guy so much. Have you found him? Uh, Rich Summer. S O N E R. Yeah. I hate this fucking guy. He annoys me so, so bad, Jarrett. So bad. <laughs> Okay. I don't I'm not I don't I don't care what you think about that guy. I just I had to say that this guy annoys me a lot. So anyways, Chris Messina is um, he's a street performer. Uh, he's a giant mechanical man. So he paints his face silver. He wears a silver suit and then he walks around on stilts and he's kind of like a, not a mime, but he's like a living statue. So he'll just kind of like stand there and it's his passion, I guess. Because it's like an art form. Uh, his girlfriend uh, isn't into it. And she leaves him because he, he doesn't have a job. And he doesn't make any money. And he's like, well, he's like, but it's what I like to do. And she's like, well, I don't give a shit. So she leaves. And then Chris Messina is like, I guess I got to get a job. So he gets a job at the zoo. And then Jenna Fisher, she's kind of lost in life, Jared. She doesn't really know where she belongs. And she sees him as a street performer one day. And is just like... 
it like really speaks to her. And then she gets a job at the zoo too. And they meet there. He knows who she is, but she doesn't know who he is. You see what they're doing? Mm. Do you see what they're doing there, Jared? But do I care? Uh, I don't know. It's actually, it's not bad. It's, it's like a nice quirky kind of movie. I have no problems with it. Okay. I have nothing like super positive to say. Topher Grace is pretty funny in it. He plays a, a motivational speaker and he's got really long, gross hair. So you want to hear about the nest? <laughs> Tell me about the nest. Okay. So I watched this movie called the nest from a guy named Terrence Winkless. Seems like a real piece of shit. If you ask me, uh, so I watched this movie called the nest because we've mentioned on past episodes about paperbacks from hell. So the first paperbacks from hell, the re-release or reprints was a book called the nest from uh, Gregory Douglas, I think, but that was just like a pseudonym. Every, every writer in paperbacks from hell used a pseudonym because they didn't want to use their real names. So the real, uh, author I think is called Eli Cantor. Or that, or that was the alias, and Gregory Douglas was the real name. Yeah, I don't fucking know. So I read this book called The Nest, and it is about these mutated cockroaches that overtake this like main town. Uh, you would have thought it was Stephen King because it took place in Maine, but it wasn't. Uh, so the book isn't bad. Um, it's it's pretty well written. I have a feeling like the guy writing it, he, I think he used the the thesaurus a lot because there's a lot of words where it's just like that's such a weird like like you're using a word that's so much bigger than it needs to be if that makes sense either that he was paid by the letter he could have been or he was just like a super smart fucking guy writing a book about cockroaches which i guess whatever so it's about these cockroaches that grow real huge they're like the size of like a pop can uh, and they have this like hive mind brain and this shared consciousness and they start to they start to get tired of rats at the dump. So they move into the town and they start eating people. Uh, and because of the ferocious nature of the cockroaches, uh, the horde can like overtake a person and then within like 20 seconds, it'd be down to bone. And then like after that, it would be they would eat the bones, too. So they're like this unstoppable force of cockroaches that like whip through the town uh and in the book it actually does a really good job of like kind of building it up to be a little bit believable where you have a lot of people who don't believe it at first but then they all see it and they're like oh shit these cockroaches are bad all right so then it's like the the people who are left in the town are trying to fight it uh there's some like it's definitely not like exploitive, but there's like there's parts in it that are definitely like kind of gross and trashy. Like it's definitely it's really trashy, not like in the literal sense. There's a scene in the book where an escaped convict is naked and falls in some leaves and he's on LSD and he likes the way the leaf leaves feel. So he has sex with them. Um, and then he get his, his boner gets eaten by the cockroaches. So there, <laughs> there's stuff like that, Jared. Uh, and then there's like a scientist there who's like trying to stop it. And the town kind of comes together to stop it. There's this movie called The Nest, Jared, mm-hmm. which uh, is based on the book uh, loosely, I would say. Um, and it more or less follows the same stuff. But in, in the movie, the 
the research scientist, which in the book is a man who used to be from the town, come back. In this one, it's a woman. And she like, in in the book, the scientist is like, oh shit. He's like, okay, well save me one, but we got to kill these things. In the movie, the woman is like, she becomes like uh, in love with the the idea that this animal has kind of like evolved a little bit. So she's like actively trying to get the cockroaches to take over. And it's like, it's, I like it in the book better because you don't need that added conflict where it's like someone aiding the cockroaches where in the book, it was just like, they're like, no, we can't stop these things. It's like, there's a billion of these fucking things and they're so small that uh, like, you can kill a couple of them, but you're going to just get swarmed. And I guess that's like what the horror was supposed to be. But in the in the movie, it's not emphasized as much. And I think it was because they tried to use like practical effects. So they had a lot of cockroaches and it was pretty fucking disgusting in the movie. But I think they couldn't like there's no way to kind of show those huge hordes of roaches. So they had to like invent a character that was aiding them a little bit. Does that make sense, Jared? Yeah. Jared, does that make sense? Yeah. So this piece of shit lady does some stuff in this movie. So you see a dog get killed, which is a little upsetting because it's like, who knows if that was a a, a fake dog or not that they <laughs> killed. You know what wasn't fake, Jared? Mm. The fucking cat that they tortured in this movie, like pretty like horrendously. So I have a huge problem with this thing. Like they have this cat in this box and they're using it as bait, which is like dumb to begin with. And then the cockroaches get in and the cat is getting eaten and it cuts to the mad scientist woman. And she's just like, oh, yeah, she's like, this is exactly what I wanted. And it cuts back to the cat and it's a real fucking cat like being it's it's as if it has a leash on or something and someone is just yanking the shit out of it into the into the side of like the box and it's pretty upsetting to watch because it's a real cat getting like pushed into a box and it's covered in blood which like the blood i'm sure was fake but i don't know man like they were doing some pretty pretty shady shit Hmm. and i have like i know some people's opinion or I know I have an exaggerated opinion of this stuff, but I have a really hard time believing no one on the set was like, uh, should we do this? Is that okay? Because I wouldn't wouldn't have been cool with it, Jared. Really? So you lent me your copy of this Blu-ray. Yep. I, don't worry, I threw it out because <laughs> I knew you wouldn't want it back. You, you threw it into the fireplace. I threw it into the fireplace. Uh but no, it, it was kind of a bummer because that really took me out of it where I was just like, you know what? I don't fucking care anymore. I was like, I'm really out of this thing. Uh, I did see some glimmers of things like there's one good body melt where it's like a body being eaten by cockroaches. And then at the end, they try to show the like the nest, but um, they show it as like the food sacks and there's like a couple human skeletons and it looks okay. But well, there's also a like cockroach cat like from the corpse of the cat yeah there's like that stuff and it's fine um but i I was kind of out of it and at the same time i think the book actually the book's not bad i was entertained in the book the book's definitely gross just because i actually i don't like bugs i don't think like i know that's not uh an unpopular opinion i know Mm. no one likes bugs but like uh as much as i am the strong 
uh, advocate of animal welfare. I don't give a shit about bugs. You can blow up as many bugs as you want. I don't fucking care. So I, it, it did kind of gross me out a little bit where I was watching this and I was just drinking a pop and I was just like, <laughs> I don't want to drink this anymore. And even reading the book sometimes it was a little bit gross. Um, I don't know. The book is into the science a little bit more. The movie kind of goes for it like it follows the townspeople, but not even like that in depth where you're kind of like going between some of the townspeople. But I don't know. I don't think this animal stuff aside, I, I think this movie is OK, but I don't think it's anything special. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't be like on my list of like, dude, you gotta watch the nest. There's like I I barely I watched this movie a few years ago. I don't remember anything. I think it might I would have never watched five it years if, ago. Yeah, I would have never watched it if not for the paperbacks from hell connection. Yeah. So that's the nest. Nice. Are you are you interested <laughs> in rewatching it? Oh or, oh uh, no, you can't. I threw it out, dude. Right. Yeah, I know. I have to, to dig through the uh, the melted plastic. Yeah. Do you want to hear another one, or should I save it for next yeah, week? Yeah, just save it for next week. Okay. Okay. We'll save the we'll save the good movie for next week. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, RJ, uh, I watched a contemporary movie. A what film, kind? A, a film called The Headhunter. This is what's a, that about? It's a, I'm going to tell you. It's, it's a, it's a hey, horror. what is that movie about? It's a it's a horror movie of sorts. Okay. It's a low low budget film made with like probably a few thousand bucks but it's a it's a period piece it's sort of a medieval type of setting about a lone man who is out in the woods living in a shack uh he is the guardian headhunter for the kingdom that he resides in in some sort of like you know nondescript setting there's there's a castle in the background uh it's very foresty and tree um the movie opens up with this big beardo um, a big what? A big beardo. Okay. He is uh, hanging out with uh, his daughter. Um, and this is like kind of set in the past. And then his daughter dies. And the movie, I guess, is about him getting revenge uh, for his mm-hmm. dead daughter by killing monsters. And what he does, we don't really ever see him in the act of like trying to kill a monster, really. Uh, but we see the aftermath of him badly wounded and carrying the heads of the monsters that he's killed. These heads take the form of basically Halloween masks. Ooh. And he, when he gets them, he shows up at his cabin and he like stabs the head through a spike on the wall. And he, so he has this whole like wall of like monster trophies. Um, there's a lot of times. This, this sounds like a, a movie that's trying. A little hard. Is that uh, accurate? No. No? <laughs> no. Okay. So the movie is like very low key. Um, okay. Like there's a lot, like the whole opening is this whole process of him like using this like nondescript dead animal. Like it could be like, it's like a fictional mm-hmm. kind of like rabbit looking creature that he's like doing all these mm-hmm. sort of like rituals on. And then he, he produces this well, like... But it's like, but it's like a nothing. Like you don't even know what this thing was. Like it's like a mm-hmm. fictional monster creature that he's got like a like the remains of. He pops this little gem out of it and he mashes it up into this like, like healing, uh, balm that he can mm-hmm. put on his wounds that magically heal him back up. And so it's, it's this whole repetition of him like going out at night when he hears the horn call and he goes and tracks down these monsters. But you never mm-hmm. actually see them. There's so there's just lots of atmosphere, RJ. 
lots of atmosphere and it's like, like literal him. atmosphere yeah. like you can't see because there's lots of like mist and stuff or uh more like just like lots of darkness and like the fact that they mm-hmm. never actually show they, they go a lot of uh, they go the distance to make sure you don't see anything because they didn't want to like put that part together but that's supposed to be good enough uh for the movie because it's like it's going for uh atmosphere <laughs> like it, it's hey, all this... what is this movie about it's about atmosphere and tone okay it's supposed okay. to be about dread rj so anyway so this guy oh. he, he keeps killing these monsters that just look like halloween masks that to me like they're not that great um the setting mm-hmm. itself is okay and like in some ways this movie should be like so up my alley but yeah there there's something off with the execution uh what happens is he apparently i only know this because i've read the plot synopsis because i didn't really get this from watching the movie he finds the monster that killed his little girl and <gasps> he he kills it and uh haha success Is that good it's the end of the movie but then rj because he callously threw the sack with the monster's head off to the wall he mm-hmm. he put it directly underneath where the healing balm was put and then a wind comes up i and, hate it and, when and, that and happens knocks, and knocks the window frame over and like the the balm goes spilling onto the bag and then the monster head reanimates and now he's fighting a monster head with a spine hanging out of it and it's mm-hmm. just that's kind of like the whole chunk of the movie is him pursuing this monster. And then, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, I think this movie, I guess like, I don't know, this movie was probably made for very little money. And I guess it's like, that's kind of cool that this thing exists, but at the same time, it's like 70 minutes long. It would probably make a pretty cool 20 minute short. And uh, so I'm not sure where this 50 minutes comes from other than watching man walk around and like put healing balm on himself and, be very like, oh, I'm hard bitten. Oh God, <laughs> this life of mine. <laughs> he, it's like, a, like it's just him. There's like the the little girl that you see like in flashbacks. Him mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the movie and him talking to like a skeleton of like a previous warrior. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This could be a lot better, I think. But this is what we got. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I say this all the time, but I feel like it's actually accurate this time. I feel like people say that about this podcast a lot. This could be a lot better, but it's what we got. That's right. It's what we got. Mm -hmm. So I'm not interested in this. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Like I said, this this is a, a firm two and a half star for me. All nice. things considered, so that is a I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> nice. Uh, I then RJ uh, for no particular reason yes. was watching some sex comedies. Oh, what is that? What does that mean? It means uh, like American a- Pie with Jason Biggs. Yeah, before American Pie, but like in the same sort of spirit. Like Loser. Not like Loser. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, not as problematic as Loser. Was there any good sex in it in these movies? Mm, not really. Um, the first one I watched was this film called Joysticks. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie set in our, an arcade. There are nerds. There mm-hmm. are farts. There are uh, what? oversexed old ladies that want to get boned real bad because their husband won't give it up. How do you know? Because uh, she says it out loud. Oh. Because people just talk out loud about their feelings and comedies well, you, usually. you have to ask because you can't assume. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. There's some fine ladies 
lots of nerds. Okay. There's like the guy that he's like supposed to be like real smooth with the ladies, and because he like runs the arcade, everybody wants to like just give it up for tokens. RJ's pointing at himself and nodding. <laughs> oh come he's, on, he's he's, see, he's he's that guy he's because that guy. people can't see you. Yeah. They don't know that you're making this up. Yeah, but yeah. like Jared's making up so much stuff about my character <laughs> as he's touching his arms. Showing, hey, showing off the guns. Um, so yeah, joysticks. Um, the the highlight for this for me was uh, one of my favorite character actors, John Grease. Grease, Grease. He shows Grease. up in this. He's uh plays King Vidiot, who is a mm-hmm. like old eighties style punk who's crazy and he's got an entourage of ladies and he just wants to play arcades. He wants to play his games, but he hates nice. the idea that he has to share machines with other people. But he wants he's 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 like a real like simpleton, but he just loves games. But he's also angry and violent. So every Is that bad? Uh, I don't know. It depends on if uh, you're the victim of his or not. If he's <gasps> if he's going to put the the fist wow. into you. But yeah, joysticks wow. is like yeah, kind of what I expect when it comes to many uh, '80s comedies. And then I watched RJ, the Canadian classic, Meatballs. That's a Canadian film. Yep. Directed by Ivan Reitman and uh, starring Bill Murray. Uh, What kind of Bill Murray? uh, Young Bill Murray. 1979 Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two years earlier. Uh, Bill Murray was still trying to find himself. Uh, He's like totally not a Bill Murray like character in this. He, He is, but he isn't. This is just like a camp movie. All the kids go to camp. You, you know the story, summer camp. Uh, there's another camp, RJ, that's like mm-hmm. where all the kids with money go. And this is like the poor kid camp, sort of. The, the, oh, the, I know the, that the, trope. The, the working class Speaking camp. Speaking of tropes, that's a good trope. And then, and then RJ, the whole film, it climaxes with a competition between the two camps. They do their own little Olympics. And um, it's- Like it's, heavyweights? Not unlike heavyweights. Did it's, they st- did Meatball steal this from heavyweights? I, I think the it's possible that the uh, creative team on Meatballs traveled sure. into the future, and they just happened to like land when Heavyweights is in theater, and they watched it and went, "I've got an idea," and then they went back in time. Mm-hmm. That's the best use of your time in time traveling is to like make summer camp ripoffs. So <laughs> Meatballs made a lot of money when it came out. Um, it had like a you know small budget and made like. $50 million off $2 million, which is pretty good for a comedy in 1979. Uh, there's, like, not much to recommend this. It's not very raunchy, even. It's, like, barely even qualifies, I think, as a sex comedy. It's more just, like, a comedy and uh, with almost no laughs. So, for me, anyway, I don't know. I have zero nostalgia for this movie. I'd never seen it before. Um, I was The next one for me would be to watch Porky's. Uh, have you? Wait a minute. I've never have seen you Porky's. Never... Never. Oh my fucking god! Yeah. I I've said this many times, but I'm fucking done with this podcast. You've never seen Porky's? It's coming. What about Porky's Two: The Revenge? <laughs> I've never seen Porky's, Porky's Two, oh. Porky's Five, Porky's Ten. Man, I am seriously upset with you. You know movies that I've seen a lot. Porky's is up there. I've seen a but lot. Have of you Porky's. have you seen Screwballs though? I don't give a shit about screw, uh, screwballs. I want to see Porky's. Mm. So I think I uncovered something a little bit deeper, Jerb. Okay. Because you know how I have kind of a weird memory for things? Yep. So 
when you're talking about meatballs, all I could think about is, do you know that movie Frailty with Matthew McConaughey? Uh, Kevin Bacon? Yep. No, not Kevin Bacon. Uh, Bill Paxton. Your buddy. Oh, right. Frailty. Yeah. He directs it. And then Oh, Bill Paxton directs it? Yeah, it's Bill Paxton oh, movie. Oh shit, I didn't know I didn't realize that. Okay, so I just saw something. And, and so Powers were, Booth. Oh yeah, Powers Booth baby. When you were talking about meatballs, I was like, isn't there talk about meatballs and frailty? And I just found the line where they're talking and the kids could say, "Let's go see meatballs." And the other kid says, "No, nah, let's go see the Warriors." And he says, "No, nah, well that's R-rated, we can't." And he says, "We'll sneak in." And it says, you know, I don't like to see movies by myself. And he says, good night. Not that interesting, right? But in on IMDb, in crazy credits, it says director Sam Raimi, Ivan Reitman, and James Cameron, among others, are thanked in the end credits. Do you think that's a subtle nod to Ivan Reitman's meatballs, Jared? Right, Reitman, director of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Did he? Did you not say that he just directed meatballs? Yeah. So do you think that's a something something to look more into? Might be a wink. Wink. Well, whatever. I like uh, I like frailty, even though Bill Paxton's a real piece of shit. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, Not really though. Yeah. Rest in power, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess I'll keep trying to check out some of these '80s comedies. It's summer. It's time to watch those. Uh, I actually watched a, a very good short film. It's probably the first time I've watched like a short film that really like wowed me. It's called Tango from 1981, directed by <clears throat> uh, Zygmunt It's What a, does that mean? It's a Polish name. It's good. So this thing, okay. it's a, uh, it's like eight minutes long. It's a static camera uh, uh-huh. observing a room as it slowly fills with 36 characters from different stages of life as they move in loops through an absurd dance of social disconnection. That's from Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, this thing's like uh, very well executed. Was it though? It was. It's it's so it's so cool that someone made this. Um, I love these sort of things. Sometimes you watch these short films and you're like, that was fine. It didn't, uh, it's like, okay, sometimes people really pump them up. This one's actually really good. I like this one a lot. Anyone can make this. You just have to put the time in. It's the best kind of short. Um, film. is it is it not not unlike the hit film Capes? Uh, very. Was Capes a short film or was it a feature oh, length it's, film? It's, it's a feature, RJ. How did you film? Was is it ninety minutes or one hundred and twenty? Oh, it's like I think it's in between. Just just over ninety, I think. So you have the time to do that, but you can't text me back. Unfucking believable. You know when people are talking about pet peeves Jared has? There's this one where I sent him it's been brought up on the show before. The dankest memes. The best memes. Memes that are specifically targeted at Jared. And you know what I hear? Nothing. <laughs> For weeks. Weeks and weeks and weeks. Like I sent him this super dank meme the other day. And you know what he did? Nothing. 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 I got one more RJ. One oh, more. you oh okay. Got one sure. more amazing film. That is like the most RJ pick of all. Is it really though, or are you just saying that? <laughs> I would I just say things. I watched yes. this I watched this film called Black Metal Veins. Okay. This RJ is the first yes. film I've watched from director 
Lucifer Valentine, who okay. uh, is the director of such films as Slaughtered Vomit Dolls, Sl- uh, Slow Torture Puke Chamber. This is These are not RJ picks. Uh, Black Mass of the Nazi Sex Wizard, A Perfect Child of Satan, and Regorgitated Sacrifice. The fuck are you doing with your life, man? So okay, so those films are all like kind of like these like pseudo snuff movies that uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's made that uh, or fall into like your junk food dinner ghoul school fair where you're just like who who makes these films and who are they for? So in between mm-hmm. those uh, is this film called Black Metal Veins, which is kind of a documentary and has elements of like like of uh, what you would call tryhard edgelord sort of things, RJ. Mm-hmm. We were like, this seems unnecessary for what's already like a pretty uh, rough, disturbing time. This is like gummo cinema. This is, and I will read the uh, letterbox synopsis, Black Metal Veins unflinchingly documents the dark realities of despair and morbid self-annihilation surrounding the lives of five heroin junkies. The mm-hmm. the addicts interwining stories of pain loss sadness and abandonment lead the viewer down the agonizing and hideous path of horrifying psychological and spiritual destruction as the grim disease of heroin addiction infects and decays the bodies and minds of five young people so i watched this at like 11 o'clock at night last night uh it's of course uh made me uh create a uh tag on letterbox for drugs are bad um, that like kind of links mm. movies like this with um, Heaven Knows What, uh, the Canadian film Werewolf. Werewolf. And uh, there's even this one uh, film that uh, this company called Troma Entertainment distributed called Story of a Junkie. Mm. Uh, these are all films that uh, just really display drug addiction, not a good time. Uh, and then what did they do? Then they die apparently eventually. That's that's sort of the uh, the payoff. So this is 2012. They're talking about fentanyl, uh, which ooh. which is like you know been all the craze uh, in our neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So as we have our very own opioid crisis uh, happening in our very own backyard. But Usually. yeah, you know, it's just like lots of uh, footage of people injecting themselves with their drug <laughs> of choice and talking about it and uh, their day to day lives. Uh, and then there's like these weird little like things where you're like, oh, this is obviously f- staged for the camera kind of stuff yeah. that you're like, why is this here? Oh, it's because it's from a guy, director named uh, Lucifer Valentine. That's why it's here. Uh, you're saying that it's not quality filmmaking? Well, it is a guy just shooting with like a camcorder talking with. I don't know if they're friends of his or just people he's hanging out with and uh-huh. editing them in this sporadic way to capture the sensation of being on crack or whatever, uh, where, things, where things are moving at a rapid pace. Um, but you get to really know these people and they lay it out. They, they keep it real, RJ, explaining uh, their mm-hmm. day-to-day existence that, you know, is real. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Life's pretty good, you know, <laughs> when you're not a drug it? addict. It's when you're not a drug addict, it's not too bad. Uh, it could definitely be worse. Mm-hmm. So that was grim fare. And I was just thinking the whole time, this is such an RJ movie. I can only imagine oh, him. Oh, clearly. I can just imagine him just sitting there this with this face of like, what, what, why am I watching this? Why is this happening? 
you wouldn't even get that far into this. You would never watch this movie. But like, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just hilarious to me that this is like such an anti RJ movie. But here I am watching. Don't it. be ironic, <laughs> Jarrett. 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 Don't be ironic. This sounds like a horrible piece of shit movie. Well, it's not. But it's. Um, is it though? No, it's it's not like a horrible piece of shit. It's just like, man. Fine. It's fine. It's like if you're like signed up for this type of thing. I mean, it's no Carts of Darkness, which is like a very like yeah nice, pleasant kind of movie that won't like just like show you horrible, horrible things that you don't want to see. This movie does show you that side of like the addiction, I guess. And there's no like happy endings because it's like, oh, things got better in the story. They're like, oh, hey, this person was murdered after like a couple months after we filmed this. And you're like, cool. <laughs> like, that's great. Were they for real, though? I don't know. Because these are, like, anonymous people. It could be, like, a, mm. some cannibal Holocaust action where it's like, ah, we just put a title in and said that they were dead. But you can't we rule it out. funny on you. Yeah, we, yeah, they weren't actually eaten by cannibals in the Green Inferno. Are you sure? I, I don't know. I'm, I've only been told things. Mm. So I don't really like your uncertainty. I don't know. Me neither. Anyways, well, RJ, I got, yeah. no, I got no news. We've talked long enough. Well... Uh, the company that made that Sonic the Hedgehog movie bowed to all those people. The internet. Cowards. Cowards. Just stick with it. Yeah. Go, with go. The, stick with the weird teeth and like weird yeah. eyes. And, like, Just do it. It looks like a man in a fursuit, but it's like CGI. Just do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. How? I don't know. That's all. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Mm. After the break, we're going to jail. Good. Yeah. Hey, I'm just talking with my girlfriend here. Who you? Well, I wish I was in New Orleans. I can in my dreams.
quando le incontri le guardi negli occhi e per tutta la vita, eh? Che? Oh! My friends! What the hell is going on here, Bob? And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Down by Law from 1986, directed by Jim Jarmusch. The tagline for this film, it's not where you start, it's where you start again. What does that mean? And a synopsis here from Letterboxd, all 15 words or less. A disc jockey, a pimp, and an Italian tourist escape from jail in New Orleans. It's very reductive. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what that's what it is, I guess. So yes, yeah. I own this DVD. <gasps> I, I think it is now on the Blue. Criterion. Yes. Yep. Oh, I see. It's one of those early buys for me. I had just started mm-hmm. getting into this Jim Jarmusch when I was a young cinephile, RJ. Watching that, you know. Old dog. Yeah, you know, watching that uh, uh, Strangers in Paradise, <laughs> Strangers in Paradise mm-hmm. with John Lurie. Um, there was like uh, a good argument, I think, for checking out Jim Jarmusch back when, because as an aspiring filmmaker, uh, he does these small, subtle pictures with low budgets and mm-hmm. just lets things like cinematography, location, and actors do all the work while he sits back and makes sure everything is metered properly. And, you know, he writes low-key story without a lot of drama. And if you're like, hey, we can't afford to do that, you just cut around it and you talk about it later. Mm-hmm. He was one mm-hmm. of those guys that was able to pull that off, but also make it look good and make it have the right uh, feel to it. And uh, sure. I guess the most important thing I feel like in Jim Jarmusch movies is to make it feel cool. Um, what do you think cool means, Jared? Like smoking cigarettes or? Look, looking cool, being having clothes that fit you properly, um, mm. just staring dreamily off into the space, looking mm-hmm. like full of life, living life. Like um uh, a Kerouac character, RJ. Really? Yeah. That's what you're going to drop on me right now, huh? That's right. Wow. On the, ro- on the road, my friend. I don't like you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Jim Jarmusch is one of those guys that came on my radar. I don't know wow, exactly what movie I would have seen first. It might have been um, uh, Dead Man. With, Patterson? With uh, Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. That, that, Not that, Samurai that, Dog? That, no, yeah, Ghost, Ghost Dog came later. Ghost Dog? No. Yeah. With, with that great score, that great soundtrack that people always talk about. That was Who does the soundtrack in uh, Ghost Dog? Look it up. He, isn't it a bunch of people? I don't or know. Maybe just one artist. I don't know. I don't recall. I'll check it out. That's more your territory. Okay. So, I'll check it out. Yeah. So this was the second time of me watching this movie. Um, what to say about it? I like prison movies, but uh, this movie is kind of a prison movie. But it, it, it doesn't care about the prison movie dynamics because mm. you, you don't really leave the cell once you get in there. Um, mm-hmm. And then 
they spend this uh, the right amount of time, I guess, in a cell, and then they break out effortlessly <laughs> between cuts, running through tunnels, and then appearing outside of it, and then they're just running through the woods, and then mm-hmm. making their way down a path. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a movie of slightness, of small moments, of characters that are kind of just shuffling along through and saying whatever. We got mm-hmm. we got Jack, we got Zach. Which one's which, and? RJ? It doesn't matter. That's the point. Yeah. John Lurie, Tom Names Waves. don't matter. And then we got Bob. 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 Played so by one was... Roberto Benini. Benini. Everyone's Roberto favorite. Roberto Benini. Uh, speaking of names, uh, the soundtrack was done by RZA. See, I wasn't, I wasn't sure it was going to be. the Wu-Tang Clan. I wasn't sure it was going to be RZA or the or Giza. Giza. Yeah. See, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, Giza or Giza, however you want to pronounce it, he's more known for his solo work like liquid swords mm-hmm. but rizza he's a little bit more tapped into the movie scene he i mean he acts quite a bit you might remember him from uh, that hit show californication but it was rizza and then other people as well so uh wu-tang clan uh there was no old dirty bastard raekwon the chef respect the deck Ghostface killer those guys weren't here but uh rizza's around so what were we talking about uh, Jim Jarmusch. Oh, Jarmusch. Oh, and Roberto Benini. Uh, last week, RJ, when uh, yes. on, on our outro, I said that we were doing huh. this, and I think you were like, oh, Jim Jarmusch. Bleh. And I was well, curious what you, why, because I know you like that Patterson. Yeah, no, I thought Patterson was good. So Jim Jarmusch, well, I think what I said was, I'm not sure if I'll like it. So I did like Patterson. Patterson's pretty good. And, and like Broken Flowers isn't bad that bill murray with, with star, star bill of murray. meatballs <laughs> star of meatballs himself uh yeah and like i've seen coffee and cigarettes rizzas in that actually there you go and i think someone else from wu-tang is in that too um yeah giza rizza and the giza are in uh coffee and cigarettes so i like that my version of Jim Jarmusch, I guess, would have been later day Jarmusch. Sure. Um, I haven't seen Only Lovers, but I think you weren't super hot on it, right? I was not. And uh, I've mentioned before, um, old roommate Scott, uh, when me and him were hot and heavy hitting these Criterions pre-podcast days, I know he got a mystery train, and I think it was mystery train, and he was kind of like, you know what, I didn't really, I didn't really like it. He's like, I didn't get much out of that. I was like, oh, all right. So I think it kind of painted this picture for me. But mm. Oni Lovers, Mystery Train. And then uh, I was kind of like, I don't really know what to think about Jim Jarmusch other than um, the cheese shark. Not the cheese fish, but the cheese shark from the best Criterion movie we've watched so far, Fishing with John. Mm. That and then on top of uh, his new movie, the zombie movie, which is like, <laughs> I don't who who wants that? But yeah. still, you know, Riz is in it. <laughs> of course and tom waits is too and iggy pop and iggy pop yeah well we'll watch it i'm sure but still you know yeah so that 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 was more or less what i was thinking is kind of like so, i don't know about yeah. Jim I, I like the stuff i've seen so but I, I had this moment like yeah so with watching down by law i was and thinking about like jim jarmusch and his like kind of place in cinema now because there was a point in time where he yeah. kind of was like one of the like the the it kids of like the independent film scene. Sure. But then Wes Anderson came along and I, I feel like Wes Anderson is the like 
uh, kind of that disaffected kind of hipness thing better. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like yeah. Jim Jarmusch is kind of left to the sidelines. Like he never, I think he's still making the movies that he wants to make. Like he's, he's kind of like, I mean, if you, I'm looking over his filmography right now and it's like, no, this guy uh, has a definite like style and flair to his movies. Cause really he's got 16, no, 12 feature films specifically. Uh, these are a bunch of like short odds and ends. He's got things like Gimme Danger on the Stooges, like these kind of like concert videos. Yeah, Jermoosh. Yeah, and like 17 coffee and cigarettes shorts, right? Yeah, there's all those iterations of that. And that's always never been yeah. like my, like I was never really super into coffee and cigarettes or anything like that. But you're, you're more of a comedians and cars getting coffee guy, right? <laughs> Instead of, do you know what I mean, Jared? Can't say as I am. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about there? That's a funny joke yeah. about uh, preamble stuff we talk about sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, Stranger Than Paradise, I, I like quite a bit. Um, is that in the collection? It is, and we will cover it one day down the road. But okay. um, yeah, that movie because it's very like in line with like kind of the uh, French New Wave stuff, but okay. an uh, an American in 1984 kind of doing his version of it, and like it's a Jim Jarmusch movie, like all the like. The long takes, this uh, kind of like static camera that just like lets scenes play out. John Lurie, um, the use like re- repetitive use of music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all there. It's like kind of all these these styles of his. Like he's trying to go for I think perhaps like a lack of style, but like be, be, through that his style comes through. And this is no different. Um, yeah, like this movie it opens up with. The introduction of yeah we have I think it's John Lurie first who plays the pimp mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. his some of his his hoes and Ooh, um, shit, it's just these like you get the sense like, you don't even get the sense that he's like uh, like a pimp he seems kind of like indifferent to like the the, the school of pimpology he seems like he's just he's kind of like de- removed he's, from he the situation la- yeah, he's like kind of what you usually, what I actually I would expect from a lot of pimps they're kind of lazy at the end of the day. They like they live off yeah. the veils of another human being exploiting them, you know, because they're like the worst types of people out there, honestly. But, well, uh, but, he, but he seems pretty cool, you know. He's like a nice. He's a he's a good looking. <laughs> well, guy. I mean, he's, he's a good looking guy. This John Lurie, the women. I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that... But like, he's like not like not, you know, like he hands a gun to his uh, his lady, and she like puts a gun on him. And he's like, whatever. I mean, she's gonna shoot me. I'm not really afraid of it. I don't think she's going to because he's got kind of a confidence to him. A confidence, you yeah. say. Yeah, and then you know he gets uh, he gets set up by this uh, southern dandy kind of fella. They're, they're always they're southern dandy, RJ. Okay. And uh, he's like trying to make good with them, but you're like, uh, I don't think this is going to end well. And so he mm-hmm. goes to because uh, he's an opportunist, uh, being a pimp, and he shows up to like uh, corral a new girl into his uh, under his care. But it turns out she's a minor. And the cops come and uh, take him away. And that scene, man, that scene is like so well played. And like John Lurie's like horror of like what's just happened is like so uh, so good. <laughs> well realized. Like I'm just, like I'm just here with my girlfriend. Oh man, it's so brutal. And then it, the reveal of like, oh, there she is under the blankets. And you're like, and he's oh. God damn it. <laughs> like yeah, very well played. <laughs> yeah, I I I'll be honest with you, Jared. I didn't see that one coming oh. and neither did Andrea. Cause she watched this with me and it happened. We were both like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty, we were surprised. Yeah. No, it's uh, I, I, I knew it was coming cause 
I don't know if I remembered it from the movie, but like as the movie started getting going, I was like, oh yeah. And then I, I didn't re- real like I didn't remember how young the girl was either. And then when you're you like see 10 her, years old, fuck yeah, and you're like, oh dude, it's like you're going away. <laughs> So like this is a you got you got because like it's not like the Louisiana police, the New Orleans police are going to be like really like we should look into the, his claims that he's innocent. Like they don't give a shit. He's, do, he's a pimp. He's a bad what guy. Did you, what did you feel about that cop's uh, presence after uh, they've escorted John Larry out of there? He's like, there's, it's okay, baby. Uh, yeah, there's. I'll weird, make sure you're there, okay. There's there's some weirdness there because it kind of fades away. It's it's well, a, yeah, it's a I, little ambiguous. I found it weird though. I mean, him sitting on the bed, I thought was weird. You're like. Hmm. Hmm. What, RJ? Do you not trust the police? I don't trust you. Okay. You sent him a cop. I don't know. We've never, we've never <laughs> you, found you've out. You've never asked. I've never asked. <laughs> I don't know what you do record, outside of this. I've been recording all these conversations for years now, and uh, here we, we are. met on we met on the internet. I don't know what you do in your real life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, and then also you have that story, and then we have uh, Tom Waits. He's mm-hmm. a like kind of down and out disc jockey. Um, mm-hmm. He just like had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. He's getting wasted, kind of a layabout. He's hanging out like, as one does in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he comes across Bob for the first time, uh, old Roberto Benini, who uh, does not speak any English. He's playing Roberto the, Benini. He's playing the foreigner in America, you know, mm-hmm. doing the, doing the thing. And then, uh, he gets an opportunity presented to him by another scumbag, another man in a fedora and uh, sweaty, saying, yeah, you should have, all you have to do is make some easy money. Do me a favor and just drive this car. And it's like, yeah, okay, because I'm Tom Waits. And uh, sure enough, he's- Wait, he, well, what was that? How did Tom Waits talk? Because he, he calls himself Tom Waits, and he will do that because he's Tom Waits. As he grabs yeah, it out. And uh, he, 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 he's very drunk. And uh, he gets pulled over, you know, routine uh, stop. And, oh, there's a dead body in the trunk. And uh, so he's going to jail. They're all going to jail. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Tom and John, Zach and Jack, they don't get along at first. And then they kind of work it out, as men do. And then, uh, then Roberto Bob shows up. And uh, it turns out he definitely killed somebody. Like, he, he actually deserves to be in there. I, I, Ooh, Roberto theory. Benigni? Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I mean, if you take his story at uh, face I, value. I, I feel like there's no re- he has no reason to lie. He tells the story as it is. I think that's like kind of the thing where it's like the other two yeah. like kind of got screwed over and mm-hmm. he definitely killed somebody, but you could argue it's self-defense. But uh, You could. You could. Uh, I mean, you know, he just, I mean, he was, his, his crime was he was cheating uh, at cards and then he got caught on it and then when a man came to potentially end his life, he defended himself. And what a, would you a, have done? A, a good defense attorney would, could get him out easily. Mm. What would you have done? Uh, I don't gamble. But what would you have done, Jared? <laughs> I don't know. No no man knows until he's put into that situation himself. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, so they hang out in the jail cell for a bit. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. some, like almost a musical number. We get a, we get we get the Roberto Benigni experience. This is uh, before he became known to America, um, and people like turned hard on Roberto Benigni and just started. Why hating. did they turn? Oh, because of Pinocchio. Uh, it was before Pinocchio. I think it was like because he was started like showing up in 
lots of different things. Like, so after Life is Beautiful, he became sort of like on the, he was like at the Oscars and he was all wacky and people were like, this guy's a little bit much. Like, this He's is just a, guy a lovable of, goofball of, though, Jarrett. RJ, if you were a little bit older, I feel like you would have been like, I fucking hate this guy. Oh, maybe. I hate a lot of people. You do. You, you, you very quick to hate. I, I hate you. Yeah, there you I go. I know that much. But uh, I don't know. So far, my experience with Roberto Benigni is fine. There, We had a huge oversight. Have you heard of this movie called Il Piccolo Diavolo? <laughs> Directed by Roberto Benigni. Uh-huh. Starring Roberto Benigni. Also starring John Lurie. Also starring Walter Matthau. What, no Tom Waits? Well, no. <laughs> but... But those guys, okay. Well, anyway, is, is it any what, good? Whatever. Is, is, is it supposed to be good? I don't know. There's only been like uh, on Letterbox. There's only been like fucking 500 people have logged this. That's it. That's more people than have watched probably Black Metal Veins. Yeah, but nobody gives a shit about that piece of shit show that you watched earlier. <laughs> nobody. 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 So nobody. They break out of jail, RJ, and down by sure. law. Very effortlessly, they escape. And, <laughs> I kind of, uh, yeah. Keep and, going. and then that's, and then they, uh, no one seems to be looking. I, it's interesting that this movie was made of, uh, with the cooperation of uh, the state of Louisiana, because this really exposes uh, Louisiana as like real, real chumps. They, they, was it in the cooperation of the state? It was, yeah, at the end of the movie. Do you think they were uh, forward with what they were with? what Jim Jarmusch was trying to do, or was he like, we're just making a nice little movie. Yeah, it's about movies. It's a movie it's about, about movies. movies. And who cares? Who cares what happens? What is Jim Jarmusch? Is he from, like, New York or, like... Uh, I think so. He's sure. he, he he's a very New York-looking dude. He's got that Abel Ferreira look. He's got that, he's... Ama- he's got that amazing hair, second yes. only to David Lynch. However, yeah, exactly. We've mentioned that he has nice hair, but it is no David Lynch. No. It is no David Lynch. So... Couple things. Um, mm-hmm. I think this movie is pretty cool. I enjoy it. Um, I don't think it's like a movie you just pop on and want to watch at any given moment. But you know, it'll be around. Maybe I want to watch it again in like 10, 15 years when I uh, save myself up to watch uh, all of Jim Jarmusch's movies again. When are you uh, gonna do that? 10, 15 years from now? Question Why? mark. Exactly. So um, one thing though, man, this movie looks amazing. The cinematography, the black and white of this, like, looks so good. Uh, people always, like, nowadays, these modern movies, they try to do a black and white look, and it never looks as good as this does. So I don't know yeah. what what the trick is, uh, why it's so hard for people to do it now, considering all the, like, Roma, for instance. I don't think Roma oh. looks that great compared to this. But, Jared, it's black and white. Yeah, I know. In the... <laughs> We talked a lot about it. Okay, so the guy who shot this, uh, Rob Robbie Mueller, also shot such films as Paris, Texas, Repo Man, uh, mm-hmm. worked with Jim Jarmusch a whole bunch. Oh, my goodness. To Live and Die in L.A., Breaking the Waves, Lars von Trier, Dancer in the Dark, Lars von Trier. My goodness, RJ. I Barfly. Don't, I don't. Shot, he shot. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. you that one. There you go. That one. So anyway, yeah, some people, they're really good at their jobs. This is a good demonstration of it. But yeah, Jim Jarmusch, he takes the black and white quite well, better than most. Mm-hmm. Um, with some movie rips open with some Tom Waits songs. Song, does it? It does. 
but is uh, it the claw hammer song nope ah i'm nope. not it's a uh, jockey full of bourbon rj what's and, that song about um singing <laughs> it's about lots of panning shots of uh uh louisiana which are great uh set the mood right away feels like a music video Mm-hmm. but uh yeah and then so yeah, anyway movie wraps up with uh they escape and then they stumble across a uh luigi's uh <gasps> luigi's shack which uh, place it's like a tin tin place they, they make tin the tin top tin top yeah they make tin in lasagna in the restaurant and uh cool. it yeah. turns out she's an italian broad this lady working there mm-hmm. and uh that that's great for Roberto Benini and her, they hook up, and uh, her uncle has a bunch of a bunch of like very nice '50s golf clothes that uh, Tom and John can wear. They look very nice and fit. Everyone's nice and fit in this movie. No, uh, how so? No, no largeness <laughs> on display. We are like you know most people are like have some weight on them. Not these guys. Mm. Lean and mean these two, and uh, yeah, they uh, they hit the road and then they. Uh, Go their separate ways after a, a, a fake out handshake and they have a laugh, <laughs> wish each other luck, and they call it a day. That's down mm-hmm. by law. Wait, what movie were you just describing? <laughs> RJ, what did you think of Down by Law? Do you actually care? Well, I'm, I, if I'm, I doubt if it. I'm, if I'm cool like a Jim Jarmusch character, I don't care. Are you smoking cigarettes over there? I should be. Um,. So as you mentioned earlier, I was like, I don't know if I'll like this. Uh, not because I've ever had really a bad experience with Jim Jarmusch, but it's like you said, I don't know. His recent endeavors, it's like, I don't care that much. Is that any mark on his previous quality? Not really. So I watched Down by Law on that Criterion channel. Uh, there's a plug for you. Where's our endorsement? Where indeed. Where indeed. So I watched this with Andy. Uh, when the movie finished, uh, quote, Andy said, that movie sucked. <laughs> End quote. And I said, okay. Uh, I wasn't as hard on it as she was. I thought this movie was fine, to be honest. Like, um, there wasn't anything that I disliked about it. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff I did like. I don't think it's a great movie by any mm-hmm. means. But uh, there, I think there are a lot of qualities for me at least that I was like, Oh, I like that. That's fun. Um, I do like his pacing for certain things. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I like his pacing for certain things. Like, um, the way the best example is like the way the prison break happens where it goes from him. He's like, Hey guys, I think I maybe have a way out of here. And they're like, tell us more. And then the next scene is them already out of the jail. I, I actually, I thought that was super funny. Yeah, I was well, like, I like, like that. Compared to um, uh, Letro. Every other. Letro. Which is like the whole thing. Well, but but it builds some, it, but, I mean, that movie, is, that movie is amazing. Well, so <laughs> any other prison movie, like you, what you said, it, it's kind of like subverts it a little bit where yes. it's like most prison break movies are about the art uh, or the act of breaking out. Where this one is just like, uh, whatever. It's like, we're, we're not even going to worry about that. Let's just say that they got out somehow. It's fine. Yeah. So I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. I mean, you could I make really... an, RJ, you could make an entire TV show about breaking out of prison. What would uh, what would you do after they got out, though? Would you, like, reincarcerate them in, like, a Mexican prison or something <laughs> weird? Somewhere in Cuba. Was it in Cuba? 
It, it was some like island destination. I thought it was Mexico, but I'm racist. I think. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Me- it wasn't Mexico. But I, uh, I am playing a character for the podcast. So, anyways, I did like uh, the way that they did that. Uh, I like all the characters quite a bit. Zach, Jack, and Bob. Um, I think John Laurie is really good. He's is he the best actor? Not really, but like he serves his roles well enough. Where uh, what is this? The third time he's popped up in the Criterion between Fishing with John and Last Temptation. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't. Right. I don't know if he has any like actual spoken lines in Last Temptation, but he's, he's in I there. I think he does. But yeah, he's like yeah. Everyone's everyone's bearded in that, so it's sometimes hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, yeah he's not the best actor, but I I, I like John Murray. Well, quite we'll, a we'll bit. see him at least one more time with uh, Paris, Texas. <laughs> it's well and. Stranger than Paradise, right? Yep. Yeah, so he he'll come back a whole bunch of times. Whole He's bunch. an alumni. Two a whole years. bunch of times. Two even. A whole bunch of times. Um, well, until desperately seeking Susan hits. Is that a good show? Madonna. Well, what about that Roberto Benigni movie I was talking about? <laughs> that is not. <laughs> what are you? Are you not on board with that? Continue. Whatever, I don't give it. I don't care, Jared. Continue. So yeah, John John Lurie is fine. Uh, I like him quite a bit. As I've mentioned many times, Fishing with John is probably my favorite movie. Uh, Tom Waits is good. I like Tom Waits in this uh, quite a bit. His, as you went after I logged this on Letterboxd, you were sending me gifts of uh, pointed shoes, like metal tipped shoes. Uh, that is a nice little touch in this. I don't know. I, I like Tom Waits in this. Like his character, the DJ thing is it's not important no. and it's not su- it's not supposed to be either. Yeah, there, it seems to be there to like pass the time occasionally when there otherwise he yeah. have nothing to talk about. But then he I can, think then he can launch into DJ voice talking about the weather. Yeah, I think it's almost even other outside of that. I think it's just to make Tom Waits like a believable person to exist in the world yeah. because when you look at him, you're like, who is this guy? Where do, where is he? Like he either works in a KFC or he's a musician. There's no in between. Where, where's his brother, Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman? Well, he was doing some stuff, Jared. Stuff you don't want to know about. Yeah. But I I like when I actually I really like when he wears his hairnet in the prison cell all the time. I don't know why. It's fun. Mm-hmm. He he looks like he's a fun guy. Like he's kind of like scary, not in like an intimidating sense, but in the sense where it's like. I don't know what he's going to do, this guy. He's unpredictable, Jared. A wild card. Wild card. So uh, I like both of those boys. Uh, Bob is, I think, incredible. I like I like Bob quite a bit. Uh, I think he's very funny. I don't find him annoying. He's not like, I think it's like you said. If he was an actor today, Roberto Benigni, he would be like almost Bill Paxton in Aliens level annoying, For I you. think. yeah. For me, yeah, for sure. But in this, I don't find him annoying. I find him quite charming. And uh, I think he's like the play in between all three of them is really good because it's like straight man, straight man, funny man. So there's like, I don't know. He has a lot to bounce off of. The the best parts, I think, with him were like the really subtle ones where he's cooking the rabbit. And he's like, it's really good. And John Larry is like, this tastes like shit, man. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, it's really good. Isn't it? Uh, so it's 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 not like 
it's not the like the most well-crafted joke in the world, but I thought it was funny, and I was like, yeah, that's nice. Uh, and then I think they paint Italians in such a way where it's like, you know what? They're okay with just living in this shack where you have no idea where their money comes from or where their food or resources come from, but they're happy, and that's the Italian way, right, Jared? Is, is that a way to describe the entire country? Are you uh, basing well, this I, on uh, your own understanding of uh, the geopolitical well, we, scene in Italy? We would have to add rape to that classification just because of all of the Criterion movies we've seen so far and how they paint the Italian there's people. A of, there's a lot of grab ass. There's a lot of, of grab ass. Lustful eyes. I just, what is that movie where they're following that woman around all trying to rape her? Uh, that is all of Italian cinema, I think. Just all of Italian cinema. Yeah, yeah exactly. So there's that. Um, yeah, I like Bob quite a bit. I think he's pretty funny. Uh, it does. It very quickly turns into an Abbott and Costello act with him, I think, where. Who's on first? Who's on first? Exactly. Where all of the comedy is basically like, hey, what's that? What's up with that banana? And it's like banana. Hardly knew her. And you're like, oh, you know about rectum? <laughs> you know what I mean, Jared? Yeah. Rectum. Hardly knew him. Right, Jared? Hey, there's no dead air on podcasts. <laughs> dead air is intentional. So uh, I like that. Um, my first line, uh, when Ellen Barkin has given Tom Waits a rough time, I wrote down woman, woman, women. Am I right? And I, I pointed out to Andrea. I was like, check this out, baby. And she was just like, just like, you know, sheer disappointment. And like, yeah, she's sick of it. That's fine. We have other things. Um, I think Bob is the original Borat, which is nice. Whoa. What about, bye, bye. What, what about cousin Valky? What is that? Oh, you are too young. You don't remember Perfect Strangers? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, dude. Oh, it was a sitcom. Cousin Larry. I don't care. Cousin Valky. Well, well, I mean, we could also talk about, like, uh, Andy Kaufman. Oh, yeah. And 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 there's, like, the wild and crazy guys. Wild and crazy guys. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely other Borats, but I was just saying that you reminded me of Borat. Come on. Balki uh, Bartokolkomos. He's uh, the Greek Greek Mediterranean cousin, played by Bronson Bronson Pinchon. Look it up. I'll send you some links. I'll, I'll you'll know you'll know Bronson Pinchon. Yeah, is that like Thomas Pinchon, the uh, yeah, unphotographable yeah. author? Yeah, the recluse. Yeah, the, yeah, cousin Balki, author of uh, Gravity's Rainbow. Nice, and that hit movie uh, with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. <laughs> Yep. The undisputed worst of the entire pantheon of a PT of PTA movies. Anyways, um, I also kind of like how corruptive this movie paints New Orleans to be in the sense where it's like in the opening, there's just no people around at all. And you're like, what is this place? But then it's like, oh, if you go outside, you're going to get framed for either <laughs> being a child molester or being a murderer or you will actually murder someone, yep. but it won't be your fault. Yep. Nolans. Come come and visit us. <laughs> Nolans, and, come and, and visit. when you escape from prison, they'll, like, not catch you. I just think it would be, like, 
their infomercial would be like Nolans come and visit and there'd be a guy breaking out of jail but in the background it would be like someone beating up like a woman or a kid and it would just it would just like freeze frame and it'd be like Cajun style I feel like you could pretty well uh, use that same ad for like any state though like New York come to New York you could probably Cajun tell, style you tell the, you tell the same story just change the uh, the food flavoring come to Omaha Cajun style yeah Western style. What do you think about the Cajuns, Jarrett? Uh, I have no opinions one way or another. Yeah, but do you like Cajun seasoning on your fries? No. From time to time? Not really. Not even from time to time? Not even from time to time. James Carville would be very disappointed in you. Yeah. I like Cajun style once in a while. Like, (laughs) Fatburger has those curly fries, and you can get the Cajun style salt uh, salt on them. I remember when I was... What's up with... (laughs) What's up with you? (laughs) You so, remember what when you uh, were eating Kate's uh, no, fries? Uh, I remember when this podcast was about movies. Still, when was that? <laughs> when was that ever the thing? Um, fucking, like, hey, RJ, the first episode ever. This is what? two two movies in a row that are both black and white in an era where uh, the budget constraints might have forced the hand to make a movie black and white. In an era though, when mainstream audiences wanted color. What was the other movie we watched? A Man bites dog. Well, that was made in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, the 1992, the new 60s. Is next week's going to be black and white also? No. Oh, wait, I know what next week is. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. So, Never mind. So in my mind, I was like, when I was watching this, it kind of reminded me of these, like, actually yesterday working at the comic store, I had two different conversations with people talking about how uh, they don't like reading old comics. They find them unreadable. And I'm like, what do you mean, old comics? Mean? Yeah, just comics that don't look like modern comics now. Like an X-Men off the shelf, they find very readable. Very readable comic. But, but if you try to hand them, say, Alan, Alan Moore's Watchmen, they go, I can't read this. Watchmen's book's great, though. I would It would make more sense if it was, like, from hell. Yeah, but even that is, like, pretty clear to read. Anyways. Well, well shut up, Jared. I know I like From Hell too. I'm just I meant like in terms of like art style mm. because it's like yeah, watch or From Hell is like a novel, yeah. pretty much because it's all text. So it's like I could see new age comic people complaining about that, but like Watchmen's pretty the art in that's pretty great. I don't know what the problem would be. It's, it's old. I've heard it described as dot comics, and I go, uh, I, I, I beg your pardon. You know that pop art? Yeah. That rasturbator. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. What? Hey, what is it? What are we talking about? Jim Jarmusch? Yeah, something like that. Man, look at his hair. Who hates Down by Law? Other than Andy? Uh, well, she didn't hate it. She just thought it was bad. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, first yeah. up, Daniel S. Half a star. Is that a repeat offender? I, I feel like it is. You know, if all the scenes in this movie had the cool soundtrack the opening did, I uh, might have actually not minded this movie. I'm a sucker for a good soundtrack, but as it is, <laughs> it is unbearably, intolerably boring. Bob is not funny. Zach and Jack are barely different from each other and equally unlikable. I wanted to give it a full star for some of the conversations that border on charming, but there is nothing that can cure the dullness of this flick. I defy anyone to tell me that this has a deeper meaning also, I saw another reviewer on here that they say on here that they recommended this especially to fans of Quentin Tarantino 
what? When does this movie, with its slow action and uninspired dialogue, even come close to being being Tarantino-esque? Um, that's a that's a bad word to use, I think, for it, any person. For any walk of life. Any walk of life. I'm pretty sure this guy is a, a repeat offender. Their um, Twitter handle is three-faced Janus. You know how every Criterion movie starts with Janus films? Yon- or Giannis, even? No, no, no. No, no, no. Janus okay. is how it's pronounced. Uh, favorite films are just Criterion movies, 12 Angry Men, Amadeus, Yojimbo, apparently. Mm. Um, weird. Like, the half-star movies are all, like, 50s, 60s sci-fi, which I feel like is a weird thing to go after. You know, because it's like, if you don't like those movies, don't up. watch those yes, movies. Give up. Yeah. But <coughs> I don't know, Jared. Too many smokes also, over there. Koyin Sakatsi it was a half star, which I've never seen that, but it, I've heard it whoa, was a whoa, good whoa. show. Koyin is, wow. Yeah. But they also just gave two and a half stars to The Patriot, which, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 Jared. Okay. So I don't know. I think this is a repeat offender. Okay, uh, one star from Orcs. Ooh, that's a good name. Saruman's Men. <laughs> there he is. Uh, the great independent works of a certain period period are of little oh. value to us today. I think they end up echoing the joke of Frost. Like Deacon Frost from Blade One or? Yes. <clears throat> Is that what they were talking about? I, I, I assume that's what they're talking we about. Can, mm. We can only assume. Or else they're uh, talking about Bob Frost. No one's talking about... Uh, you know Bob Frost? You know Walt Whitman? <laughs> Funny jokes if you've seen the movie. Uh, Orcs is from Beijing, and uh, one of their favorite movies is La Dolce Vita, oh, which is Lord. a major bummer. Uh, they give five stars to everything. Okay, but this... But uh, yeah, all the half star movies are. Um, I don't even write like it's just all it looks like all Chinese movies. I don't even know what most of these are, but Rambo half a star. Fuck off. Wait, the new Rambo 2008's Rambo. Yeah, <sighs> that is not a half star movie. Not in the oh, half star to Silence of the Lambs. What the fuck? Get, half star to the Matrix. Get, get out of here. Get, get bent, brah. Finally. Terry Clegg, one star. Terry, Terry. Clegg. It's a weird name. All right. One for the film school, Boars. <laughs> as hard to give a shit as it was to reach the end without snoozing. Tom Waits looks good in it, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, Terry Clegg has an eclectic sense of movies. Mm-hmm. Only four five-star movies, and it's like Rope, The Lost Weekend, The Apartment, and Animal Lisa, hmm. which is weird. Uh, but there's also only three half-star films, which are Blue Jasmine, Two <laughs> Guns, and 500 Days of Summer with my boy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which seems unfair. But one-star films are down by law. She's got to have it. Man Bites Dog. And then your favorite movie, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yep. It's a weird, not not a super active account. Gotcha. I'll say. Well. If you, if you know what I mean, Jared. 
There you have it. What I mean, Jared. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> RJ's hopefully done over there. Uh, Jim Jarmusch. Uh, I would say start with Stranger Than Paradise. So jump way ahead in that criterion creep. And then uh, what? And then work your way forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're either going to like his stuff or not. Like, it's pretty clear cut. You're either on board or not. Uh, Patterson's a very different type of movie, though. I'd say that's probably his most um, audience-friendly. What, Patterson? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty accessible. Yeah, Broken Flowers is kind of like, if you're really into Bill Murray. Yeah, but I feel like people who are, like, nowadays really into Big Murray, mm-hmm. they they don't actually like Bill Murray. They're just into the yeah, chive. They're, they're into internet Bill Murray. In like... Yeah, so when you watch stuff like Broken Flowers, they're, they're like, oh, I like it. It's got Bill Murray in it. But in, in their hearts, in their heart of hearts, mm-hmm. they're just like, what? <laughs> What are we doing? And you're, you know, it's like what this podcast is. Yeah. In our heart of hearts, we're bad. And with that said, mm-hmm. after the break, it's the end of the podcast. RJ's going out to the West Coast. I'm going to the East Coast. We're going to part ways. You said I was going to the East Coast? Well, which one would you prefer? <laughs> Whichever one you're not. Sounds like a plan. Leave me alone. Falling James in the Tahoma. Stick around and tell us all the tale. When I fell in love with a gun street girl. And I was dancing in the Birmingham jail. Dancing in the Birmingham jail. Slaughterhouse Joe bought a brand new Michigan 20 gauge. He got all liquored up on that roadhouse corn. Blew the hole in the hood of a yellow COVID. A hole in the hood of a yellow COVID. So, RJ, what, yes. uh, what crime are you going to be framed for to go to jail? Probably something about butts or farts or something. I don't know. You have any butt crimes? Mm, none that I can talk about. Wow. Very. Um, blank. You can yep. email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com uh, and tell us about whatever. We've got yep, a Facebook sure. page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a YouTube, we've got a Patreon, we've got a SoundCloud, we've got a mm-hmm. Stitcher, we've got an iTunes, we've got a Google Play. We've Tumblr. All, yeah. Tumblr. One oh, day. Oh, RJ, next week. Next, yeah. oh, next baby. week. I've never been so excited. It's a, it's a triple header. Ooh, baby. I've actually been looking forward to this for a very long time. Spines 167, 168, and 169. Mm-hmm. D.A. Penny Bakers. The complete, not just a single, not just the, but the complete Monterey Pop Festival. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Are you excited, Jarrett? 
Why, why are you not looking forward to this? This is going to be so much fun for you. Jarrett. Jarrett. Very bad podcasting. Good night. Very bad.